welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast with myself, Steve Nussbaum, and my good friend, South Stan Chum, the bearded legends, the daddy-o, Mr. Paul Levy. Thank you very much indeed. Hello everybody, welcome back. This is episode number 160, and after a week's break, we're back fresh and ready to bring you all the latest news and views from around the club, plus a proper review of yesterday's National League game versus Bromley. And to help add expertise to this, we're delighted to welcome back onto the podcast Assistant Manager Ross Emerson. Welcome back, mate. Expertise. Expertise. <laughs> yeah. You are qualified. Wow. You are more qualified than us. So welcome back. Fourth Thank appearance. You. Fourth appearance. Catching up. Yeah. I'm catching up. I don't know what we're going to do for five, but we'll think of something. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what we're going to do for four. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah. It's already got a mug. So yeah, already yeah, got, got mug. that, didn't I? Have before? you got a badge? Maybe we'll do a badge. I don't know. We're going to bring the badge. Nothing down. particularly magnificent. So when you were last on the podcast back in April, uh, following the final game of the season, it was a quiet summer in terms of bringing players in and, and sort of player turnover, which is often what you'd expect at a club. Um, but obviously we started that year with all fresh contracts. So in terms of the additions to the squad, the couple that we did add, happy with with the quality that's been added? Yeah, I think the first thing that um, is important, I think when, when I was actually talking to someone, a family friend about it today, when there's not a big turnover of players in the summer, when there's not a load of people walking out the door and a load of new ones coming back in, I think probably for for supporters it can probably be a bit a bit of a damp one, a bit mm. of a you know, a bit of a downer because it you haven't got a load of things to talk about all the time with players coming in and out. But yeah, it didn't do the podcast any favours. No, I'm sure it didn't, and and it didn't <coughs> me because every time I bumped into someone, everyone wanted to know why we weren't signing yeah. anyone and when we were going to. And but I think the biggest thing for us was that obviously with the with the changes that the club went through last year was massive. Then obviously a change in manager through the season obviously makes another big change again. So to get a settled group together in the manner that, that, that the gaffer did when he came in last year and the way in which the team performed, you know, once he once he came in and, and, and made the changes that he wanted to, it was important for us to try to keep that group together. Mm-hmm. And I think when you look at forget where we are as a team and a club at the moment, I think when you look at the group of players now, there's a lot of teams in the National League where there have been a turnover of players coming in and going out. Whereas for us, we've got a group of players now that have all been together nigh on pretty much for, for the last 18 months. So I think that was a massive thing for, for everybody to try yeah. and keep that consistency yeah. after what we went through last year. Um, I think the answer to your question is, yeah, the, the, the players that we've signed, the players that have come into the club have, have settled down. I think they're both very, very good characters in terms of the way that they apply themselves every day. Um, which is massive within the group that we've got. One thing we didn't want to do was sign anybody that was going to come in and be disruptive around a good group of people. Yeah. And I think that's always important in whatever industry you're in, is you have the right people yeah. together, you've always got a chance. Yeah. Um, they both came in. I think for, for, for both James and Dow, you know, it's been an awkward start for them, if you like, because neither of them have, you know, at the start of the season come in and blown everybody away because of the way that the, you know the other mm. players in the squads have, have performed so I think that is also a good test of their character is that neither of them have come in and been figures in the team every week and to be able to come in and apply yourself properly and fit into the group and do what they've done and then when they're called upon apply themselves in the manner that they have I think that's a, a real good sign of, of the types of characters yeah, that yeah. we've signed as well as the type of quality of player that you know, that, that we've got within our, our squad. Yeah. So, so I guess sticking with pre-season then, uh, we went to Portugal, 
for a training camp in the summer. I mean, how was that? And I guess what were the main benefits? It was outstanding. Um, really, really pleased that we signed James when we did in order to make sure that we had James to take us on that camp with us. Mm. Um, whether we all knew that James was going to be the last player that we signed, it was, a, it was another good step that we were going to have all of those players. You, know, you didn't want to have a really good week in Portugal, come back and then there was a, someone joining ready to come with the rest of the group yeah. on Monday morning listening to how great Portugal was. It was nice to have yeah. those people with us. Um, I think it was a real good opportunity for the staff to bond is like an easy word to just throw out there but when the gaffer came in last year obviously you had to we had to hit the ground running and all start to try to knit together and get things right which obviously the, from one perspective the results were good so people would say that that, that had happened pretty quickly and, and, and to a degree it did but I think what the summer gave us an opportunity to do was understand each other a little bit more for all, all of us to really come together and put a plan together to make sure that it was a productive pre-season but it was a productive week in Portugal and we used it you know, to get the utmost out of it uh, and then what it gives to the boys that togetherness, they're living in each other's mm. company for the full amount of time that we're out there and then Gaffer made a real big point about uh, how much contact time when we had with the players, knowing what they were eating, what they were sleep, how they were sleeping, what they were doing in their downtime, who mixed well with who, what extra little curricular things that we could do while we were away, knowing that none of them had got to shoot off to get home to pick the kids up or you know to to spend time yeah. with a family. We had a real good opportunity for all of us, you know, include the staff in that as well, but to real really knit together and get an understanding of what was going to try and make us successful. And I think pretty quickly, as soon as we arrived really, the pitch was a bit indifferent when we got out there. So there was a bit of a grey area um, with a facility we were using, but the accommodation, the food, the complex was absolutely outstanding. Um, so the whole surroundings just built up another level as to what we could offer the players. And I think as soon as me and the gaffer got there a bit earlier than everybody else once we got off the flight, but as soon as the players arrived, it was a bit like, wow, like this is another Proper. real yeah. big thing that mm-hmm. everyone's got to look forward to, spending a week together in, you know, in the sunshine and all the, all the little trimmings that go with being in that environment. But you know, from a, from a football perspective and a preparation perspective, it was fantastic. And we were you know, hugely thankful once Kent come out Spend a couple of days with us and that for what for you know for what the club had given us to prepare for the season. Yeah, amazing. We're always available to cover um, some of the uh, training camps to Portugal. Absolutely. So next yeah, time yeah, we'll be waiting for the call. We do a live broadcast from there. So obviously the season's been pretty spectacular um, so far. But your views? Yeah, I think look tough. It's always tough because um, it's tough for a different reason in comparison <laughs> to what beginning of the last season was, mm, was yeah. tough you know but it, it, if you're in in this I only speak for this industry but if you're in the, you know, in this in this industry it's it's always tough because you're always striving for more you know when things are not going right you're trying to find a solution things are indifferent you're trying to become more consistent and then when you things are going well um, you're striving to com- you know, con- consistently hit those levels to go beyond that, to keep trying to find ways in which we can get better, because mm-hmm. we don't want to sit still and and you know and, and rest on what we've got and what we've done so far. Um, didn't think we started particularly great. You know, obviously the first three games of the season, people will look at the results. 
you know, as on their own. But I think from from my perspective, it was looking at what was not what was missing from the performances in order what was in order to get us you know, to that next level. But from my point of view, obviously we wanted to win, and why why yeah, wasn't yeah. we winning? But it was more for for me like what's missing within the performances in order to get us the wins, not just yeah. the win, yeah, but yeah. the wins in, and and to put those together. And if it, I think everything had been built up so much pre season had gone so well that everybody was so sort of pumped up for the occasion. Yeah. I think probably to an extent, probably too much that we lacked that little bit of relaxation in our performances and and it, was, it wasn't until that we went to, to Maidstone really that everyone took a bit of a, a breath, yeah. whether it was the pitch or whatever, whatever the occasion was. It was a great atmosphere that night. We took loads and loads of supporters and I think for the first time for a good hour on that night it was we looked like the football team. You know, We knew we had the intensity, we knew we had the attitude to go with it and then I think we, we, we've, we've built on pretty much from there. I think we've, we've, we've become very cute and understanding in terms of what the league's about, what the opposition throw at us, which I think is vital in this league. Something that I certainly mm. wasn't aware of at the start of last season in terms of how you manage games, how you deal with it when you're under a little bit of pressure. Mm. It happens in every game that teams put balls in a box and put you on the back foot and I think Touchwood so far we've we've set up well to to, to combat that. Um, I think away from home with the pace and the energy that we've got on the counter attack and on the break, we've we've become very dangerous and hard to hard to stop on that front. And then at home, I think it's um, taken us a bit of time to to get used to again the fact that so many teams come and put so many men behind the ball, which is why I think you see so many first halves that look and get a bit frustrated for everybody because teams are fresh and they've set up and been prepared for to come and frustrate you. And then as the games wear on, you tend to see us evolve and get into those mm-hmm. a little bit more. And I think we're trying to discover more ways in which we can hit teams in the first half and put them on the back foot a little bit more and, and put them under a little bit of pressure. So it's something that we're not going to rest on, something we've got to keep keep striving mm-hmm. to achieve. But I think it's um, it's obviously gone well. It's something that we all want to... You have to enjoy these times because you never Absolutely. know yeah. how long they last. Or, or, yeah. I don't mean it like that, but how long you know, until the... Yeah, until the next time mm. or what. so you need to make sure that you enjoy these these good experiences and these good times but for us I think the big thing now is it's not just a good start anymore it's about what's going to get us to, to that yeah. end target and stay at number ones that we go automatic I mean we've discussed on the podcast you're quite a fan like if, it, if someone offered us Wembley playoffs and we win at Wembley then that for the day out and the occasion that would probably be a nice way of doing it. That's the fantasy. Yeah. Whereas obviously everyone just wants it, you know, first space done, don't worry about playoffs and what could happen in that. We haven't got a particular I think, yeah, track record like, in that world anyway, so I'm quite keen for us to go. The fan the fan in you tells you you want to do it in the nicest nice way, you know what I mean? Yeah. To walk out of Wembley and that sort of thing. But I think we've um with the fact that the season then drags on another few weeks yeah. longer it can yes. have an effect from a positive nature on the season Next after season. in terms yeah, of, of course, recruitment and things like that because you don't know where you are less rest all those sorts of things um, <coughs> selfishly I'd love to win the league because I'd love to know what that feeling is yeah, in, terms of of, so we. in terms of putting it to bed as soon Amen. as possible and knowing that we go up so <laughs> I think yeah it, like it's it, either way you know we want to get we want to get up but the target for us you know will be to do it yeah, however that comes yeah yeah 
Yeah, yeah. cool. Well, we've got quite a few questions for you, uh, but for now, that's it. Uh, We're going to come back to those later on uh, in the podcast, but we're going to crack on with the supporters club. Yeah, so uh, coaches for our big European away day to Wrexham on Saturday 24th of November will lead the supporters club early doors at 8am for a 3pm kickoff. The adult fare for this one, £28 with £25 concessions and children aged 15 or under can travel half price but must be with an adult and there is a £3 surcharge for non-members and you can pick for this one and now surprisingly still space is left uh, on the travel line on 07722 quid an absolute bargain that's the big game coming up on Saturday and then on Thursday the 25th of December it's the Christmas Beer Festival and the doors for this one open at 5 Beers will be from the Mighty Oak Brewery with all of the usual lagers and ciders on offer with free mince pies as well to enjoy. The entry for this one is absolutely free and our members are more than welcome. So that should be another good night. Something to look forward club. to. Yeah, absolutely. Just before Crimbo as well. Absolutely. Um, yeah, fine. So uh, thanks very much in advance to Howard Gould at the Trust who's provided us with a really, really big, um, or quite a big uh, sort of trust update. They've been really, really busy in the community again. So on Friday the 2nd of November, Trust CEO Neil Taylor, Club Liaison Officer Howard Gould and O's legend Peter Kitchen, O's historian Steve Jenkins, were pleased to accept an invitation from Stuart Bentley from the Probus Club of Ilford to attend a luncheon commemorating the end of the Great War. Steve was pleased to say a few words about the Clapton Orient heroes as well as proudly display his collection of medals belonging to the one and only Richard McFadden. Yeah, and then on Wednesday the 7th, Marmalek Pateta and Raw Satoru made their community debuts when they visited Chapel and Infant School in Walthamstow whilst on the 14th. Levi Lumecca and James Allaby did the same at St Joseph's Catholic School in Leighton. Mascot Theo was not to be forgotten as he joined Dean Brill and Alex Lawless at Aldersbrook School in Wanstead, popping in to say hi to all the early years' pupils whilst the upper school asked questions to the players regarding their experience in relation to anti-bullying week. Great stuff. Mentioning Theo, the junior supporters' Christmas party will be held in the Legends Lounge at the club on Sunday the 2nd of December from 12 till 2pm. The squad will be in attendance along with Theo himself and hopefully Father Christmas too, making an early early appearance there. Book via the O's, uh, book via the story on the O's website or the link on Twitter. Yeah, I think Ross, you said you were there last year at Theo's yeah. party. Yeah, I think everyone was there pretty much last year. Yeah, everyone was, everyone was in attendance. It's a great thing for the, obviously the supporters and the young supporters to, to mix with the players so closely. Um, the real additional benefit to that as well is this so many of the players were young families as well and I think that was something that we noticed last year was um, like I say not only were were the players mixing with the the kids and the supporters it was at the same time their families were doing the same as well and you know like the the terminology or the phrase that gets thrown out about so many clubs is about being a family club and I always a bit biased in terms of what I say about our club and the way that you know, families are so comfortable, but certainly I know from the way that my missus and my kids are on a match day, mm. and the times when they get to spend time with the other families and and you know and the players' families at the club, it's a it is massively a, you know that that family connection. That I know the boys are you know really value as well. So for them to get that and then you know yeah. the whole thing to be mixed in together, it was a really good experience last year. So I'm sure it'd be the same again this time. I'm sure the adults have as much fun as the kids. Too right, yeah. The dance floor last year. There was a lot of people on the dance floor was last there? year. A little DJ going. It wasn't DJ Foz, but 
can never preach <laughs> those kind of DJ. And can't quite hit those. Like, not everyone's capable of that. <coughs> a proper DJ it doesn't count. No. DJ Voss for your fortieth pool next November. Oh, you never know, mate. Book him in. Well, so and I were discussing that today, actually. Book him right in. So time for a quick plug of Nigel's book, The Challenge Culture, which is available in all good bookstores. As Nigel writes about his career at large. Uh, and talks about how the best way for organisations to succeed in today's environment is to embrace challenge and encourage pushback. He covers the worlds of video, quick service restaurants, and the purchase of Leighton Orient peppered with many humorous events that have occurred throughout his career. So you can buy the book via Amazon uh, at amazon.co.uk or at your favourite local bookshop, and that's The Challenge Culture by Nigel Travis. So along with the Orient Outlook podcast mug, this will also make... A very good Christmas or Hanukkah. Yeah, I, I, or Black um, Friday present. Nigel yeah. was one of the first things that Nigel said to us about when um, when the takeover happened. I think it was a few days after everything had sort of quite settled down, and, and we'd we'd had some meetings at the club. And Nigel got all the staff that were were around at the time, and obviously the people that had been been through the previous times. And he mentioned about the challenge culture and said about the, the book being. Being pulled together, and he said, "Our, you know, sort of our big he was in having that, that culture where people, one another, sort of challenge each other within, within businesses, and that you felt comfortable to be able to do that, to each other and to the hierarchy." So it was something that, you know, it was obviously close to his, very important to him. Um, so it's weird that the book's finally out, and I haven't managed to get my hands on one yet. But like you say. It's a good book. Good, yeah. So far, yeah, I'm about good. ninety or hundred pages in. It's interesting because it's a lot of anecdotal stuff about yeah. what did and didn't work throughout his career, and to hear sort of these big companies and how fractured some of them are, and how you go in and and the change of culture. It's like in a football club yeah, as yeah. well, you know. Just because you change the manager, it doesn't mean you've changed the culture. No, but no. he or the chairman or whoever it is, it's very applicable to Leighton Orient. So, yeah, no, it is a good read. It is a very good, good read. So just a bit of AOB then to fill you in. So we wish a happy 10th birthday to Harry Hebron, who celebrated his 10th birthday on Wednesday, the 7th of November. So happy 10th birthday, Harry, and we hope you had a great day. Great time of year to be born as well, mate. Yeah, um, birthday, Harry. <laughs> yeah, Leighton Orient Fans Trust AGM will be on the evening of Thursday, the 6th of December in the Supporters Club. Guest speakers for the Q&A will be CEO Danny Macklin and Director of Football Martin Lee yeah. making an appearance there. So two big uh, guests there. Two so big hit. want to go, get yourself down there on the 6th of <laughs> December. So moving on then to the fortnight that was then. So Coulson Monday, the 5th of November, and the club put out an update stating that a thorough structural survey of the East End had been conducted following parts of the East End being damaged in the recent home game against Hartlepool and that the results would follow in the coming days. Another announcement soon followed as the club tweeted that the upcoming football for a fiver game at home to Bromley, uh, which was yesterday as we record this now, was another sellout for home fans and no further tickets would be available. I mean, for a National League club to sell out a home fixture 12 days before the actual fixture, um, and no disrespect to Bromley, not one of the biggest clubs like in a division by, by any stretch, any stretch. No. it's absolutely it's phenomenal to show you we're now what, in November and that support is still there yeah it's, out, it's brilliant I, it, I, I was, at, was at work and got a text from someone saying about tickets and I thought someone asking me two weeks before the game nine on two weeks before the game if they can have tickets and then obviously once I'd <laughs> read up or caught up or whatever it, you started to realise that it was um, 
It's sold out. It's phenomenal. Yeah. And and to be fair, like Bromley brought a few when I yeah. had the other beat, I thought, oh, well, maybe I'll look in there and then like people. we do when we go away from home sometimes, there might be a few people mixed in with them. But yeah. um, it was amazing to see that they, they you know, they contributed there yeah. as well, which obviously made for that good atmosphere yesterday. But for our home support, out, you know, outstanding. Just a shame that obviously that section of the, of the ground is closed, isn't it? Because yeah. you sort of, you know, yeah, there's a large section. It up yeah. Even more, but no, it, it's fantastic. I mean, we Just, had so many tweets, like for people tagging us the tweets, looking for tickets for literally from that Monday. There was a yeah. couple coming over from Norway, Norway. without tickets, well, hoping to just turn up and get a ticket. Yeah, so if you're listening and if you were that couple, let us know if you got in. Yeah, I hope some. you did. I, yeah, I'm I hope sure you they did. would have done. Yeah, like does, does, that, so. does that impact the players at all? Does that have any... Uh, do you weaponise that in any way to spur them on? Or do you? Or does that... Um, do they think, oh, I'm just playing in front of a crowd anyway, whether there's a 1,000 or 6,000, I'm just going to go out there and no, do my I job think, anyway? Does I that think, impact? You know, um, <coughs> if you look at some of the results last year, particularly at home on a Tuesday... Obviously, we our home film wasn't wasn't fantastic no. last season, um, and there probably was a little bit of a. Sometimes you go out there on a Tuesday night, and it, yeah. you know you we'll all sit there and say, oh, "I should be up for it, it's your job." But it don't always work like that. If you're human, you know you some you go out there and there's six thousand people and there's a good atmosphere. It's going to have more of an effect on you, and if yeah. there's two thousand one hundred, yeah, of course, and it's a little bit quieter. So. I think last year there was a bit of sometimes a bit of a realization on both fronts that when the crowd was a little bit low, what's this all about? Like you can hear yeah, each yeah. other calling for the ball, and you can hear the bloke shouting that he's not happy when you give the ball away. And then obviously when there's a big crowd and everyone's up, yeah. wow, you look at. So I think there might have been a bit of a realization from from some of the players last year of oh hold on a minute, this is what this club's all about. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, of course, yeah. um, but obviously now, now it's now it, we you know we're on a good run. Looking at that is very much part of the motivation of boys. Let's get let's get the crowd up. Let's get them excited. To start the game well. Let's try to get you know something that gets people off of their feet, and that can be anything, can't it? Sometimes it can be just someone blocking a mm. blocking a clearance in the final third. Sometimes yeah. it can be a big tackle. Sometimes it, whatever it might be. Sometimes just ignites the crowd, and I think that's something that we certainly reflect on. Shortly before we're about to go out on 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 a, on a day like yesterday, of course, but on a regular basis when we know that we can get, you know, we can use that as a as a real big thing to give the boys a lift. And I know for those ones with a bit more experience that have played at other clubs of a similar stature to ours, they know they they do talk about once the place does get going, how much yeah. of a good feeling it gives you. Mm. Cool. Good point. Love Good it. point. So to Who A Tuesday, the 6th of November, the club gave an update on the injury uh, Charlie Lee suffered in the 3-1 win that filed. So Charlie suffered a grade 1 MCL injury on the opposite leg to the one that he injured last year and is only expected to miss two to three weeks. So rest up Charlie and we look forward to your return. So talking about Charlie, I mean how good has he been this season? It's almost like having a new signing due to the injury last season. Yeah, I'm really pleased, well not pleased for Chaz that he's injured now, but pleased that he's had the opportunity to show people what he's mm. capable of. You know, he, he worked outrageously hard on his fitness in terms of, you know, keeping his weight down to to be ready that when that period of time come up come up and he was able to train and play again that he was in the best condition he yeah. was. And I think it was something that, you know, he lost a hell of a lot of weight from when he got injured. So not just once he come back after that long injury, mm. he got, you know, he lost it quickly. He, he he really changed his diet, and I think 
for Chaz, he'd never really had a major injury in his career. Um, and he was very conscious of the fact that it happened so quickly at the club that he wanted to come back and make a point. So I'm really pleased, although I'm really pleased first and foremost that the injury is not going to keep him out as long as I first thought when yeah. I see him go down because I noticed his foot stay in the ground and then him go down and you sort of fear for the fear the worst. Um, but I was really pleased for him that he's been able to make that impression. And I think one thing you see from him that we really missed a lot last year, people have talked a lot about... We saw that George Elakobi was a big personality. We saw that George Josh Coulson could, you know, had a real impact on us when he was in the team and when he wasn't in the team. But you never saw that from Chaz. So I'm really pleased that he had that. And when he, when he, you know, even if he's not having a game to die for in terms of you know, great on the ball or creating chances, whatever. He, Chaz is so important in terms of his character and his personality and what he brings to to the group. You've seen that he's good in the air for a guy who's not. You know, not massive. Oh, yeah. He's good in the good, good in the air in our box. He's danger in their box. So, I think he um, he brings that. And then, like I say, his personality around the training ground. Although he was there still week in week out last season, he ain't playing. So that yeah. you know that motivation mm. must be very, very much a draw on on him. So now he you know now he, he he's back very much around the group. He, you know he he can impose himself in a way that that he has done so far this season. Yeah, probably more of a question for Caton or someone in the medical team in terms of his progress. It's only been what a week. Is yeah. he progressing as he sh- like in terms of? I, what, I believe what you so. Expect, I, I spoke to both him and Caton <coughs> on on the back end of last week, Friday, I think it was. Um, they'd attempted to do a little bit more work with Chaz. It was his leg knee was still quite stiff, but I think that's a, you know something that goes with that injury. Mm. Um, so I don't think he was particularly restricted or he suffered anything in terms of a setback. He wasn't well at the back end of last week. Um, so that's given him a couple mm. couple of days off. But hopefully he'll come back in this week a little bit more mobile and be able to, to progress with it. So as far as they were concerned on Friday, it was very much as, as they thought they would be in terms of the time scale. Yeah, it mean, just shows you the strength and depth of the current squad. So Charlie Lee yeah. obviously gets injured and Dal Gorman comes in who's done quite well you've yeah. got Alex Wallace who can come in you've got Joby who can go in the middle and Bros can come in on the left so there's always options yeah. for Justin to have and I was you know you never want anyone to get injured and you never want ever, 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 ever want someone to get in the team because someone else has injured, picked yeah. up an injury because yeah. of that but that's the way the game works so but on the flip side of, of what Chaz has gone through and what Chaz has done I was really pleased that Dow has been able to have that opportunity to, to yeah. come into the team and play you just mentioned our loyalist Dow got a whack on the nose in a reserve game last week, which meant that he was struggling for the weekend. But the pair of them two have conducted themselves properly in terms of their professional. Alex Lewis, his professionalism every day is absolutely outstanding. Because um, so it's been um, quite easy for someone like Alex Lawless, who was first choice predominantly with you know, last yeah. season, and now he's just about getting on the bench. So arguably, he could probably get the hump and say, actually, Craig and Charlie and maybe him and like maybe Dow might edge it a little bit. I don't well, know yeah, what in the terms of the reason selection. Yeah, you're could, right. He could have yeah. the hump and say, actually, you know what? Yeah, and I think, but I think that I'm goes back this. to what we spoke about in terms of recruitment and players over the summer. Is that you know the gaffer got a real good understanding of what Alex Lawless and the, and you know, Charlie Lee and, and those players were all about. So when it comes to Summer and looking at who he wanted and who he, who he wanted to keep and how we how we evolved the squad. I think that's just as important as yeah. trying to go out and finding 
a player of some sort. I'm sure anyone would sit there and say, well, this player's available. He's a really good player. But does he fit in with the squad? Is he going to be the right type of character? Is he going to is he going to deal with disappointment? You know, it, because Alex Lawless make no no qualms about it. Alex Lawless is disappointed he's not in the team, but it's part of your job and your responsibility to the rest of the group that you come in and play yourselves every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and how how done it. But but the long way around it is I was very pleased that Dow got the opportunity to show people what what he's, what he's capable of. Yeah. I mean, a classic example of that to go off on a slightly different tangent is Marmalek Pateta, who wasn't first choice at the start of the season. Yeah. But obviously George gets injured the second game in and Marvin comes in has such an impact that he ends up getting player of the month for two months yeah. running he gets to the England C team and George has now got a fight in his hands to come back yeah. he could say the same I don't yeah. think I'd be wrong in saying that the gaffer was quoted on on talking about the selection at the start of the season of the squad and the team that it was the toughest he'd had in his managerial career as to who he was going to put out there and mm-hmm. who he was going to leave yeah. out and all those sorts of things. And I think that centre-half position is, and the centre midfield players is, you know, he's, he's, he's an ideal one to focus on because even like yesterday, Dan steps into the team and, you know, he looks a million dollars. So it, it just shows... Yeah, and, and, and yeah. But the big true. thing, again, comes back to that those personalities because if Dan wasn't doing everything right every day, if he wasn't still coming out and doing his extra work a yeah. couple of times a week he wouldn't have been ready to go into the team Correct. so it's part of his attitude that yeah. that he deserves full credit to go and do that yeah absolutely agree because it's all well and good that you're waiting for your chance but are you ready for when that yeah. chance comes so yeah, yeah. absolutely um, so got, again got more questions throughout the uh, yeah. the show for you but we'll move on now not really a groundbreaking news story but probably just worth mentioning the club have changed their phone systems and have moved away from the premium rate number that we used to have and the new numbers are now on the club website. It's like 0208926 starting uh, numbers. So uh, we are back to those numbers that I'm pretty sure we used to have before Barry t- changed them over onto premium rate number for whatever reason that was. Cool. So Wednesday, the 7th of November, the club announced that they would be trying a new fan zone uh, for the Bromley game on Saturday, 17th of November at the Score Centre on Oliver Road opposite the West Stand. So the fan zone, it would open at midday to ticket holders and would include indoor and outdoor patio space, food from match day caterers, British event catering, a licensed bar and live music. So it seems that yesterday we went all swim- swimmingly over there. So well done yeah. to everyone involved. And it's again about engaging those fans. Yeah, it looked very appealing. And that when I pulled up to go in, obviously didn't get a chance to go over there, but I got, got into the ground just before midday and the banners were up and... There was people sort of just starting yeah. to arrive, so it looked very much a, it was very much a draw to the place, you know. So nice, no, it's, it's, it's nice, I think. You got the support as a club, and that's always there's always a good feel as that when you when you pass it. But for others, if you like, or people that are sort of milling around the area, it's nice to have that extra little yeah. bit, isn't it? So the the guys come out to warm up at what two o'clock. So what do you do between twelve and two? Goalkeepers come out quarter to two. Yeah. Am I right in saying that? No, sorry. The goalkeepers come out at two o'clock. We yeah. go out at quarter past. Okay. So um, what do you do? It depends, them? really. It depends on the day. So um, we do, um, if we have any, obviously we've got Joe Austin, who's our analyst okay. at the club. So Joe works tirelessly throughout the week to put together what he sees as facts, uh, patterns, if you like, on what the opposition do on a right. regular basis. Now, a lot of occasions... That's very different when they come to play at Leighton Orient because they might play Braintree and be a little bit more open and expansive and 
attacking because a lot of the time when they come to us it changes so yeah. but Joe works on facts and presents those facts to to the staff on, on what the weekend might look like if they do what they do regularly um, we save that pre-match meeting until the morning of the game or the day of the game so if we're away we tend to hold that before we leave um, after they've had their pre-match food at a home game um, we do that at, on a Saturday we do it at quarter past one so between 12 and I can tell I mean at midday between 12 and, and 1 a lot of my stuff is just preparation of like Webby will do all the, all the set pieces so obviously we'll know what the team is there's a lot of information that goes up on the wall the changing room of who's who's marking who who's positioned right. at this position who's going to start the far post what do we do if they've got a corner from the right what do we do if they've got one from the left who's in the wall who's in the wall if there's one if there's two if there's three all those sorts of things so that Webby will sort of concentrate on that um, and I just do the basic things of I have to write up the team sheet book um, I have to write up the team to go on the on the notice board so that when, when the gaffer is talking through bits and pieces before the game there's just that recognition and, and what we have is we have like a, like a flip chart if you like and on the top half of the flip chart it'll have our team and then once we get their team at 2 o'clock we write up the formation that we think the opposition are going to play obviously you never never yeah. quite know exactly what they're doing so that sort of then and then the next little bit sometimes is just trying to just trying to get any little bits done sometimes if you need to go over individual things with the players once we know the teams you show them you know this player plays on the left he might use his right foot this player tends to put more crosses in this one dribbles one bit with you finer little details yeah. because we know that the players are looking at the individuals are last little bits and pieces of us as well just to try and refine that um, like I say we do the meeting at quarter past one and then the rest of the time just leave the sort leave the players on their own then really to try to get them ready and get them relaxed in the ways that they, they need to before we go out at quarter past two for the warm up cool that's really interesting yeah right, the final detail goes into that yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of those things I think you probably <coughs> in an ideal world, like to be able to just come in and do all of that on the day. But like I say, because things can change so much and we found last year we'd do a we'd do a presentation on something that the opposition might do on a regular basis and it changed quite regularly, especially when we were at home, that it become more suited to do it on the day. Um, and it's a little bit fresher in people's minds. So what we tend to do, if there's something on us, we try to prevent that, present that, to the boys on a Wednesday or a Friday video wires at the training ground because obviously then that's, re that's related to what we're going to do ourselves tactically yeah. and then on the day it's this is what they're about normally last four or five minutes this is what they do this is their major threats this is what we've seen that they try to achieve yeah. in these games and then you know sort of keep it to a minimum but we have to we have to we have to show the boys as much as we can to try and get them ready for it awesome Thank you, mate. Yeah, sorry, slightly went off on a tangent, but as you said, you got there at 12. I was like, what do you do between 12 yeah. and the time it goes out? Uh, it's it's strange. The, time, the time just sort of does seem to go Fly. quite quickly. And, and the one thing you do try to do is, is uh, horrible on a match day because you get up and the first thing you're thinking about is the game. Yeah. So I, I take my little boy football and just try and preoccupy myself for as much of the morning as you can. But then obviously you need to be at the stadium were there to be any traffic on the way in and stuff like that. So you try to get in early. But then once your jobs are done, you sort of think, I need to try and relax in some way. Do you know what I mean? So sometimes there's a game on 
tends to be a Premier League game. Yesterday it was yeah. like Braintree Solio, I think. But you, you just try and sort of just take not take your mind off it, but relax. Yeah, just try and relax for a little while before the before the real good starts. <laughs> <laughs> So in the evening, uh, on the Wednesday, a number of club staff and players, including Jamie McEnough, Joe Woodison and James Dayton, attended the Greater Game Play at the Waterloo East Theatre. And again, well done to all who attended, and it's great to see the club fully supporting the play, and we'll be there this Wednesday. So if you're there on Wednesday and see us, then please come and say hello, or oi oi. As someone did, someone yeah, did, absolutely. Yeah. Thursday the 8th of November, then happy 24th birthday to uh, Orient striker James Alabi. Happy yep. birthday to you. Happy birthday, James. And also... Good cakes, by the way. Did he? Yeah, strong, good strong standard, cakes, yeah. good standard so, of cakes. So when we had Steve Foster on... <laughs> about, he eats all the cakes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he said, we called him Bob Bond's birthday. And he said Bond's cake selection that he bought in was very poor it was indifferent yeah shall we say yeah. I mean Steve's going to know if anyone's going to know what a good cake tastes like <laughs> but Alibi's was, was decent very good yeah very good um, yeah he had like um, like like no standard cupcakes but there was like uh, sweets on top of some of them well drumstick lollies on some others very creative wow what he, he didn't make them I, there's no I can't imagine that I'd be South surprised I'd be South surprised the boys don't know he's gone to Waitrose hasn't he that's what he's done so he's popped by Waitrose no they were good standard <laughs> well done James very nice and then uh, also on the Thursday the club nominated the following players for the October Player of the Month award with the winner announced later in the week so the nominees were Macaulay Bond Craig Clay Josh Coulson Miles Judd for me when those were announced I was thinking that's probably going to be Craig Clay yeah I think you're right I think he'd probably edge it. I was thinking Josh Caroma, but I'm thinking probably Josh for the month of October. I was probably, probably not. It's probably more November. But yeah, it could have been any one of them because they all did really, really well. Yeah, and the results were announced later in the week. And indeed, the winner was Craig Clay with the goal of the month going to Macaulay Bond for the O's fourth goal against Haven and Waterlooville, which was quite a spectacular goal. Yeah, like I liked that goal. Uh, Mac has scored a couple this year. Joby's won yesterday the free kick. Josh Caroma's won yesterday, obviously outside of outside of the goal of the month. But um, I think Mac has won away to Harrogate. Was it where he bent it in? The yes, yeah, yeah. I really like that one because that was a good one on the counter attack. But that one was nice in terms of good step amount of passes. We worked the ball. We worked to the goal a little bit more yeah. rather than it being that little bit more sort of individual. Um, and then obviously the two and nutmegs finished it off. It was, it was good. And, and the other thing I think with that, Craig was involved in that goal, but I think it's testament to how well Craig has performed this season. You know, the fact that he wins Player of the Month yeah. is excellent. And I think, you know, there was times last year where some people didn't quite get what Craig was about. Um, but seen it it's, year, yeah, I think I think so. I think you know we, we've the team's performing well, but I think it's given Craig that yeah. platform to uh, to show that he's got a lot more about him than perhaps people gave him credit for. Yeah, last agree, season. agree, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, speaking of goals, November goal of the month, which isn't even finished yet. You're going to have Josh against Fylde. Yeah. That yeah, outside yeah, of the boot. Yeah. yeah. Going to have Joby's free kick yesterday. You're going to have Josh's. Josh's yeah. It's pretty, pretty, a lot of contention. Pretty high standard of goals coming yeah. in this season. To yeah, it's only So very good. Uh, so Mooney Friday, the 9th of November, and this is a day for Uber birthday. So I look forward to hearing what some of the players brought in this time. So first of all, a happy birthday to Joby McEnough, who turned 37 years young, just a year younger. 
than me. Yeah, two two than me. Um, Josh Caroma left his teens last year, turned twenty. What was the cake situation there? There was a rollover because obviously it was James's, <laughs> wasn't it? Right. It was James's birthday, and I don't think you can have three lots of cakes in a week. It's not <laughs> great. Is that's it? not good for the day, is it? Um, so there was a bit of a rollover in terms of coming back in for the start of what would have been this week. Um, so yeah, good. Joby, Joby followed. Good. No, it was, in general, three three good levels of cake so far. So yeah, yeah that was, oh, it was better than so. Like I say, outdone Mecca anyway. <laughs> Didn't sound like that was that hard though. But no, uh, no, there you go. Particular. And in the birthday, we've all been waiting for our very own bearded legend, Mister Paul Emi, yeah, turns thirty nine. With the big four zero approaching, we're getting old now. I know. Next year. Anyway, <laughs> the club announced that proceeds from the auction of the match worn commemorative kits that were going to be worn against Bromley, which was yesterday as we record today, will go towards erecting a permanent gravestone at the resting place of legendary Orient captain and the first footballer to sign up for the Footballers Battalion in World War One, Fred Spider Parker. That is a great gesture, a great yeah. nod. And well done to the club Absolutely. Uh, and everybody involved in, in getting that sorted out. million percent. And also on that day, Ebbsfleet announced former Orient defender uh, and ex-manager Ian Hendon would be their new assistant manager. So obviously wishing uh, the best ben, of luck. Yeah, very, yeah except winner. against us. They play us, yeah. They, so drew, they drew yesterday. Yeah. I think it's, it's important to recognise that it was also a former Orient player that left his job in order for... For that to, happen. to go into, yeah, it. yeah, yeah. You know, Daryl was a young manager, and there was a lot of expectation at Ebbsfleet. I know we had a conversation at the start of the year about what Ebbsfleet were about, and they sort of because they were Ebbsfleet as such, they sort of went under the radar at times in terms of the, the I suppose, the pressure that went with being at that club. But I think Daryl done a good job to get them out of the Conference South. He done a really good job in order to get yeah. them into the playoffs last season. Absolutely. Obviously, never went particularly great, and probably as he and them would have hoped for. For this season, but it was um, someone has to lose their job for someone else to get, to get a new one. one so, yeah. and that can always sort of get forgotten about. Yeah, but, um, yeah. Just something, something worth acknowledging. Yeah, he's got another Orient connection. Yeah, exactly. He's had a great track record. So I'm sure he won't be unemployed yeah, thought, so. uh, for too long. So another right. big birthday to talk about on the Saturday, the tenth of November. As happy birthday to this week's guest, Ross, who turned twenty one again. Twenty two. Twenty two <laughs> this year. Yeah, twenty two. Yeah. Joby's a day older than me. Is it? Yeah, 37. 37. Day wow. Yeah. Don't look a day over 30, mate. Thanks, mate. I would have you 36, mate. So happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> the under-18s were in action against Northampton Town uh, on Saturday, the 10th of November. and won the game 2-1 thanks to goals from Amin Ben-Yusuf and Jaden Phillips, who's just gone on loan to Canvey. Yes, right Jaden um, yeah, scored a lot of goals this year. Um, He's done, yeah, he's, he, in terms of his goal scoring record it's been been very good and I think what starts to happen now is last year it was probably just after Christmas you start to see that the number of the youth team players go out on loan but um, obviously the second years tend to be the priority to try to get them out on loan to play men's football to start to get them to understand what that competitive level of football looks like obviously the youth team's competitive and they get that through through playing week in week out for them but we need them to start to play against men to understand yeah. what it's about physically but then also like we just touched on there with, with Ebbsfleet there's people in those jobs that are getting paid that have, you know they need to respect what those levels of football what other football is out there um, as well as just being in that youth team 
bubble, for the want of a better phrase. Um, so Jaden's gone out to he's gone out to Canvey with Mark Bentley, who I believe had Jaden as an under 14, 15 here in the academy. So he knows Jaden now, knows what he's right, capable okay. of. So that would be a good experience for him. Hector Kipriano's gone out and he's been playing games for Bishop Stalford. So that's another good opportunity for him. Uh, Alfie Fleming has played games at Staines and potentially out at Seven Oaks at the moment as well. Um, so I think over the next little while you'll probably see one or two more of those coming and going. The great thing that we have with them is they go out on work experience. So we call it a loan just because it's easier for everyone to understand. But because they're still apprentices or scholars, yeah. whatever you want to phrase them as, they can go out on work experience. So it's only ever actually game to game. So you okay. see Ruel went out to Chelmsford. Ruel has to be done for a month because he's a professional player. So the bare minimum you can loan someone for is a month. So he, he, he went to Chelmsford on a month's loan. But whereas with Jaden, Hector, Alfie, they can go for a game. And if it doesn't work out for either party, they can come back. Okay. If they get injured, they can come back. They can So we can manage their their program and it's, it's it's a work experience loan, if you like. Yeah, so yeah. they get that experience. And I think it's important. One... Because there's going to be boys, the reality of it is there's going to be boys that don't make the level yeah. in order to become professionals next year. So we want to try and speed up the process and the opportunities and get them known to a level of football that's out there for them. And then the second thing is for the ones that are going to make that step, it's important that they experience men's football and like we say, league football competitive people are playing for results and there's something on those games week in, week out yeah. to speed up their development. Yeah, really cool. Uh, as the O's had been knocked out of the FA Cup earlier in the season, it was a Saturday off for the first team. So we hope you all enjoyed your Saturday off. Ross, what did you get up to on the Saturday? And is it odd not being or watching a footy match on the Saturday? <laughs> um, it's, it was odd. It was uh, nice in a strange sort of way that, like I said, I didn't have to get up on that Saturday <laughs> morning and think, here we go. Um, got up to take my little boy football and, and quite enjoy it. That rather than in the back of my mind knowing that I was yeah. going to have to have to get off to the game pretty lively, so so that was a, a nice thing to do. Um, the gaffer went to watch Bromley, so he covered mm. he covered that game because it was my birthday. I managed to get nice. an opportunity to to spend the day with my family. So um, Touch. yeah, that Did was you have good. to take cakes in. I haven't done my cakes yet because, like I say, because of the overload. Oh, Mine are coming yeah. in this week, so okay. we'll see what the uh, don't let them down. What the requi- what the uh, opinion down. is on that. So yeah, no, it was, it was, it was, it was nice, but very strange to be able to uh, uh, to, to to spend the day at home. Not <laughs> something we want to repeat next. <laughs> no, year, I wouldn't. Either. No, no, no. Could much rather have been been at a, at a game going through to the next round. Exactly. But so like then, I said at the time, it's important that we look at the positives as to what happens once you get the yeah. opportunity to have that recovery and the two-week period that we've had with that game in mind was, was what I believe is very, 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 uh, very positive and hopefully in the longer run will be will prove to have been something that we can look back on with value rather than yeah. being a real downer because yeah. we got beat in the cup. Absolutely. Cool. So, Sunday the 11th of November, then it's Remembrance Sunday and Armistice Day, as all of the club were thinking about uh, William Jonas, George Scott and Richard McFadden, the three O's players who gave their lives in World War One on the 100th anniversary of the end of the Great War, and we will remember them. Yep, and in, in the afternoon, the ladies' team were in league action and beat Enfield Town 5-0 with two goals from Chanel, with one from Haley, one for Tara and an own goal with the development team also in action, beating AFC Phoenix Reserves 1-0. So two wins for the ladies there. 
So well done to the ladies. Yeah, excellent results. I went to the um, remembrance service that was held in Coronation Gardens on the on that Sunday afternoon. Mm. There's a lot of lot of, quite a few supporters that were there. A lot of familiar faces. One or two people in the in the band that were leading the yeah. the march or the convoy that went through the streets. So it was um, it was something really nice in terms mm. of obviously like the reefs that were laid yeah. and everything in Coronation Gardens as well. So yeah, very good. You know, the one in Monster was very well attended as well. I just happened to be passing and just saw like police and massive crowd around yeah. there. Sort of monument that they've got there. Very very yeah. We had one in Alton. My daughter was uh, part of the parade. A few yeah, other supporters there as well. So. Always nice to see. Cool. Brilliant. So Monday, 12th of November. Yep. Back to work after the weekend off on a quiet day at the club. Yes, yeah, so we move on to Tuesday the 13th of November. In the afternoon, we played a behind closed doors friendly against Bristol City at our ground. And the team lined up with Sam Sargent in goal, uh, Shadrach Oji, Jaden Sweeney, Alex Lawless, Georgia Lacobi, Dan Happy, Hector Kiprianu, Brendan Shabani, Matt Harrell, Rule Satoru and James Brophy is... Uh, how that lined up um, and it was nil-nil at the break Orient creating the better chances according to the club's official Twitter feed with a trialist coming on for Matt Harold at half time and contrary to popular rumour it wasn't Liam Best <laughs> <laughs> so Toro opened the scoring in the 68th minute to give the O's a 1-0 lead but Bristol City equalised in the 83rd minute and scored a winner in the 90th <coughs> minute to go and win the game 2-1 so for me it sounds like a good workout and good to see Alakobi, Lawless, Happy, Brophy uh, get game time and for most of them 90 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. And this is, from what I understand, a connection of yours at Bristol City? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Luke Williams is the twenty under 23s manager at Bristol City. He was, when Lingy and I went to Swindon, uh, Luke was the first team coach at the time. So almost sort of, Lingy was the manager, I was first team coach, Luke was assistant manager. Um, I actually went to school with Luke, and it worked out that we all, you know, we all came nice. together at yeah. Swindon. So it's got, ooh, he was a couple of years older than me, but um, yeah, and obviously for obvious reasons, stay in touch. Um, and it was a really good game. They, uh, I think, it was probably good for them because they played at twenty three football every week, and you know, as you mentioned there, some of the players that were involved in that, yeah. some of their young players that would have been in in their team, would have been real good test for them to come up against the likes of Matty Brof. I know Dan Happy, George, George, you know, yeah, George, George yeah. all yeah. those players. It's a, you know it's a good test for them, and then the same for us. It was a really good game, really good game. All our reserve games that we've had so far this year have been real good, um, real good tests for, for I think for both teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's important that we put together a good pro- games program for the boys that are not getting in the team for yeah. obvious reasons. Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, you want it to be a good motivation so that when they turn up, you know, this occasion it was at the stadium, but. We played Barnet at our training ground not long ago. Good yeah. game of football, good standard, good players in both teams. And it's important that you, you get to do that. Sometimes you start to make a few changes because you're managing minutes for some players. So I think for Brophy, he played about about an hour. Matty played half. You give other people a game. Sometimes you can lose the level, but it was a, a particularly good game. It shows there that they yeah. scored in the 83rd and the 90th. It was, um, you know, it was a, it was a yeah. good game right up until the death. Yeah, good to see, as I say, the game cool. time. So yeah. it's also good to see us playing, a, you know, a championship club. Yeah, exactly good, right, good exactly contact. right. Yeah, it's a long I mean, way have a lot of, come as well. It was a long way, and they have a lot of, <coughs> lot of players that go out on loan, um, so they'll have players playing in our league, 
um, and, and probably the conference now, maybe one or two in the league, I don't know. But um, they've obviously still got good players and they're very competitive in terms yeah. of the league, yeah. league that they play in week in, week out. But it's sort of a different game for them when they didn't have one last week. So it worked well for both, both okay. clubs. Yeah, great to hear. So on Wednesday, the 14th of November, the club announced that the Leighton Star will be hosting an evening with Kent on Monday, the 26th of November. The event starts at 7pm and admission is free. So if you can... Get yourself down there. So Mr T, back in the UK sooner rather than later. Loving life, loving those appearances. And the late start's quite a nice pub. So I'm sure it'll be a good evening. So if you're yes, around, absolutely. get yourself down there. It's got a good space there. Um, I think he's going to, on the 25th, he's going to the final show of the greater game. So yeah, it is, yeah. It's the last one, isn't it? Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's really good as well. Um, Thursday the 15th of November, nothing much to report there. Um, obviously, excitement has started to build for the upcoming sellout visit of Bromley on Saturday. Yep, and Friday the 16th of November, it was another quiet day at the club with the only news being that the away trip to Dagenham and Redbridge on Boxing Day now kicks off at 1pm. So a bit of an early kick-off, time to get home, get that Christmas dinner on and get boozing early, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Um, Saturday the 17th of November, um, the youth team were in action. The under-18 suffered a 3-1 defeat away to AFC Wimbledon. The Dons cancelled out the O's opening goal as three goals in the second half saw the hosts take all three points. Centre-back Luca Carter-Henry received a straight red card after 30 minutes for kicking out at an opposition man. Orient had looked to extend their winning streak following consecutive victories against Cambridge and Northampton, though couldn't hold on to their slender lead. Peter Gillside will host Gillingham next Saturday at the Whitbread Sports Ground with the ref blowing his whistle for the kickoff at 10.30 in the morning. And if you'd like to go and support the under-18s, head to, um, well, something for your sat-nav really, IG87NJ, which is in Woodford Green in Redbridge. If you depend on public transport, you can get there on the Central Line. Roding Valley Station is the closest station, that is East from Stratford, and thanks to uh, Dan Walker for his uh, for his match report. Yes, yeah, we met yesterday. Get more involved uh, with the pod, a bit of a more in depth on the under 18s Absolutely. and the ladies report. Uh, Come later, so thank you to Dan yep. for that. So, moving on into the main event as Bromley visited us at home. So, before the match, we asked you on Twitter on how you thought the O's would get on, and after 290 votes in 24 mm-hmm. hours, you voted as follows. So, 82% of those 290 votes said that Orient would win, with 10% going for a draw and 8% saying Orient would lose the game. So that's a very high percentage of fans expecting the win. And as always, uh, thank you for all your votes. No pressure there, Ross, going into that game. <laughs> so team lined up. Uh, Dean Brill in goal. Widdison, Ekpeteta, Coulson and Judd. Uh, we are back four with McEnough, Gorman, Clay uh, and Dayton across the middle with Bon and Karoma up top. Substitutes, uh, Sam Sargent, Dan Happy, James Brophy, James Alabi and Matt Harold. Yep, so Dal Gorman made his first home start of the season and also Miles Judd returned to the starting lineup. So for me, no real surprises there uh, in that starting lineup as the kind of injuries uh, I've been spoken about before. So I'm quite happy with that. Yeah, options on the bench you. as well if needed. Yeah, so agree. Happy. I don't think there's anything that, that jumped out as a surprise. Good to see Joe Widdison back, having recovered from his knock uh, as well. So a bit more of a settled back four now uh, with Juddy back at right back and Joe at left back. Yeah, so he was wearing a f- commemorative fourth kit featuring the iconic red chevron design, which was a nod to the club's role in World War One when they were the first English club to sign up in mass with 41 players and staff enlisted and three players, Richard McFadden, Woody Jonas and George Scott being killed in action. Yeah, two, uh, the two teams were led out by three representatives with reefs, 
all of which featured the badge of the Middlesex Regiment uh, as those from Clapton Orient served in the 17th Middlesex Battalion. Yeah, the last post was played and there was a minute's silence prior to kick-off that was impeccably observed by both sets of fans. So yeah. quite an emotional start. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was powerful, wasn't it? it was pro- was that's exactly yeah. the right word. It was powerful. Makes the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. Yeah, that sort of stuff. So. I mean, pretty much, do you mention that to players? Do you say use this occasion, use the atmosphere to build on them? Or do you not mention it? Or... I think, I think I can't remember if we were talking on or off off, off of here but we were talking about the crowd and it was when we'd started wasn't it about, yeah. the, about the crowd and what effect it has I think that's something we, 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 we highlight because we feel as though our crowd you know teams will be coming to say let's shut this lot up let's silence the crowd you know all the cliches that go playing away from home but we need to try and flip it round and try to excite people and get people up and get people you know Excited yeah. and ready for for what they're there for, it you know in terms of coming to see. Um, so certainly we highlight that. It's, it's, I think everybody was fully aware of what the occasion was, fully aware of obviously the fact that we were in a new kit and everything that went with that like that. So I didn't mean, don't think that really needed too much more highlighting. You don't want to overcook yes, it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So you get, yeah, the atmosphere is a thing that's going to have a real impact on the game. Is the extra little bits really mm. that they need to really be highlighted yeah. probably not on that occasion because like I say you know being a good group of, good group yeah. of players they'll be understanding of what the occasion was yeah so the match kicked out at a sold out stadium with the O's looking to climb to the top of the table with Bromley standing in their way looking for their third win on the trot and the first 20 minutes were quite tense no real chances to speak of and Bromley looking slightly sharper the first 20 minutes your views. Yeah, like sometimes it's sort of a, as you expect, I think, because like the, the the opposition on a lot of occasions will come and try to sit in, put men behind the ball when they haven't got possession of it. When they have got possession, they'll try to get the ball forward quickly. They look for free kicks, set pieces, <clears throat> any opportunity to put the ball in the box. Once they do, they try to keep it alive and put you under a little bit of pressure. I think it's something that or touch wood I don't mean it in that manner because it's obviously worked on and something that we've highlighted and really focused on but what I mean by by that is is that we defend our box a lot better than we did last year um, I think the boys their mindset is that they know that they're going to have that aerial bombardment of the ball coming into the box and their mm. mindset is to be aggressive and sometimes you'll see them you know not manhandle but impose themselves on the opposition to try to be the aggressor rather than waiting to be put on the back foot as we did on, on occasions last season and you mm. find yourself like we did yesterday going 1-0 down but um, if we don't get that early opportunity to get a shot off on target or to score like we have done on one or two other occasions against haven't you then know that you're going to come under a little sometimes you're going to come under a little bit of, bit of pressure and I think that's what the first 20 minutes looked like we tried to work a few openings they had men behind the ball in the first 20 minutes they're fresh they're switched yeah. on they know what their focus is if they're been worked properly during the week they've been organised in terms of the positions mm. that they take up and particularly the first 20 minutes but the first half is normally the time when you're most capable of applying that once you start to tire and and the opposition get on top of you and then it obviously becomes harder to maintain that physically and mentally um, so that's why I think early in the season you saw a score a lot of late goals but I think the first 20 minutes we we tried to, to open them up a little bit it didn't particularly work as we would have hoped, but it's because there's another team trying to stop us, you know. <laughs> mm. um, and then, like I said, like 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 you like you said, there yeah, they put didn't create a great deal, but they put put us under yeah. a little bit 
bit of pressure. Yeah, you could see they'd set up to, to try and play as, as best as they possibly can, but there was a lot of sideways along the back line mm. and across the mid and then back out to the to the defence. And it might have looked nice in a training game, but it didn't seem to be sort of much movement. Um, we seemed to be... I, was, I think I said to Steve, I said that week off looks like it's really sort of put a bit of a backstop on our yeah. momentum. It's really sort of killed a bit of the impetus yeah, that we well, had think, from the previous like weeks. When we, when, we played, <clears throat> when we played Haven at home, obviously we scored early um, and that changes everything, yeah, yeah, obviously, because yeah. you're 1-0 you up. But what we found is that we managed to get into good positions to crop now Hartley Paul for argument's sake was very similar to our uh, yesterday started decent players set up in a good formation to try to stop you from playing and and then what happens then is like you say when you try to play across the back and move the ball you're trying to dislodge the opposition you're yeah. trying to move the opposition as well because you know, if you compare it to the second half I'm sure you come on to it in a minute but there it tends to be a little bit more space people are out of position players commit themselves forward where they're tired they switch off they don't quite get into good enough position so so often people say to me our second half was so much better than the first half Mm. why didn't you go about it like that and you think well no we did but the opposition are in our art I mean Joe Quigley their their, their centre forward so often in the first half first 20 minutes was inside their half of the centre circle so they've got 11 men in their half of the pitch so therefore the, the spaces for us to work in don't exist as much as they do as the game wears on. And then all of a sudden, like you say, after 20 minutes, they get a little bit of a, oh, I've got a chance here. We've kept a clean sheet for the first 20. They come out and start to become a little bit more, you know, more productive productive and try to, yeah, expand. And then all of a sudden, those spaces start to occur, you know. And then, like, yeah, so a team like Sutton, who had the the physical capabilities of going at it for longer, they had good experienced players who could keep people switched on for a little bit longer they can maintain it yeah, for yeah. longer periods of time whereas perhaps haven't or Braintree when we went yeah, yeah, they haven't they got can't. the same levels of sustainability yeah. to, for us to find those spaces yeah. to hurt them yeah so 25th minute Josh Graham who's looking very confident and lively uh, shot wide after getting himself into a good position and two minutes later he had another shot after getting himself again into a good space which was straight at Bromley keeper and ex-low XO Loney David Gregory. Yeah, 29 minutes on the clock. Dale Gorman was booked for a challenge just outside our box, but the free kick came to nothing. Yeah, probably started to put more pressure on as Porter put in a decent cross in the 44th minute, which went out for a throw in. And two minutes later, Josh Corson had to be alert as he cleared a low cross uh, from Brunley. I thought it was a bit of a tough spell uh, at this point. Uh, we weren't looking at our best and we having problems kind of retaining the ball and clearing our lines. And probably seemed, like you said, got past the first 20-30 minutes and thinking right we're going to have a go here because yeah. this is our peak time they did to try it. to play they didn't do a Sutton on us like many people sort of were suggesting they actually tried to stop us and then actually tried to counter us and I'm sure George Porter didn't need any team talk from his manager or any motivation yeah. at all I think we did that for him yeah we, were to, we, knew, we knew that before the game that the, the, their, a lot of their um, real impact comes from they're missing Omar Bugle at centre forward but that George Porter uh, and his name escapes me, the boy on the left, um, who won the free kick for the goal. Double no, 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 Yeah, they were going to have pace yeah. and they were going to be able to try to counter-attack us like that. And when you've got players with pace, you, yeah. you only see it in our team that that, that, that can get them it's up dangerous. the pitch and create yeah. opportunities. Uh, Miles Jubb was booked in the 40th minute for a foul on Agedi Uzokwi, who I think is that left That's it, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. That was very well pronounced. Well I think that's why I avoided it. I didn't want to take that line. Well done. <laughs> Well, um, 
Uh, yeah, so uh, foul on a Gedi Uzokwi, just just to show off, uh, who made the most of the challenge <laughs> on the right side, giving Bromley a free kick in a dangerous position. Now, you probably a little bit of just wanting to get there, a little bit of, I've seen them given, but you can't just stick your leg out on the edge of your own box. You just can't. It's a, it's a mistake from Miles, and you'll see we get punished for it, but... You have to be so careful when, when you're playing against the football inside who are set up to just try and stop you and they're starting to use the dirty tricks and all of that sort of stuff. Because there was no contact. The guy's jumped over Juddy's leg, but because he's done that, the ref's yeah. quite probably fairly given a free kick. Yeah. I'd have expected a free kick if that wasn't the other yeah, way around. Much so so yeah. look, he'll live and learn off the back of that. But it's 41st minute in, probably went a goal I think up. That's like what we just said there. Is that they're, they're probably playing to get in the final third. Of course Sometimes I not to particularly carve out a, an opportunity, sometimes to win that free kick to send the big boys up Absolutely. to try yeah, and right. pressure. Their centre mid, that 15 was a big yeah, boy. Yeah, yeah. He had two quite good feet. Yeah, he was. He's actually a centre half, but, but playing but in midfield. Right. Yeah, he was okay. decent. He was. Well, he's got well. uh, Roger Johnson. Who's, uh, who, who, did well. who did yeah. well? Yeah, I thought. Yeah. So when the free kick did come in, unfortunately, he ended up in the back of Anna as it kind of evaded everyone and threw straight into the bottom far corner as Bromley took the lead. I guess I was watching John and Porter, so we were saying Judd was kind of and Porter were kind of having words. The ref was all over it, and we thought Judd might be liable to give away a penalty because Porter seemed to got to a little bit. He played him a bit, yeah. So the ball flew into the back of that, and we find ourselves a goal down. Just on the stroke half time as it was, but Marvin Ekpeteta had a go. Uh, sorry, took a knock in the forty uh, third minute. Uh, sorry, taking a, a knock earlier in the game, but in the forty third minute was deemed unable to continue, and he was substituted for young Dan Happy. Yep, so four additional minutes were played in the first half. Dal Gorman had a shot from outside the box, which he uh, went fairly close with. Ball bounced wide. I think the keeper probably had it covered. As half time whistle goes, with the O's trailing one nil. Yeah, so I guess Ross for you. I guess. Use on the first half then. Anything else you wanted to? Yeah, not too dissimilar to what I said. Like after the first twenty minutes, really, mm. when you go a goal down, everyone don't need to tell anyone what you know that's been watching us since we've been in this league is that it gives people something to hang, hang on, on to. to. So yeah. all those things I just mentioned there probably gives you another little bit of a lift, a little bit more energy, something to focus on, you know, something to fight for if you like, yeah. rather than it being at, at nil nil and trying to stay. That's right. Something. Yeah, and we've got the responsibility. Yeah. So then you know that with those pacey players that they've got yeah. they've got an opportunity to break on you which they did in the second half early obviously but thought that sometimes when you when when I watch the first half because of the changes I said that people teams make when they come up against us sometimes watching the first half and you get to half time you actually think ah oh, okay well, this is what they've come to try to do to us yeah. these are the areas that they've put their players in to try to stop us and try to to prevent us from creating chances so then as a coach, you can go in and you can analyse right. what do we need to do to counteract that in order to, to get back in the game on this occasion or to try to go and win it like we have done before. So um, it was a case of us just trying to be a little bit more precise. I think there was, you said about us passing the ball across the bat, I think it was a case of us, if we do that, just doing it with a little bit more sharpness. Uh, the fact that Dan was now on and we had a left-footed centre-half at left-side centre-half and a right-side Right footed one, yeah. right. So it meant that we could hit different types of passes into their half. You know, on some occasion you would have seen Josh hit some longer diagonals into into Maka, so it got us up the pitch in a different way than we yeah. did in the first half. And you can do that a little bit more naturally when you've got someone on their right, on their comfortable side. Um, 
without giving everything away but in terms <laughs> you don't you don't know who's listening but in terms of how we were going to be that little bit more aggressive yeah, of course, yeah. Dates and Joby to get into really dangerous positions what Craig Clay and Gormo's responsibilities were in order to get the players who were going to score us or create us goals in the final further types of passes we wanted them to play where we wanted them to receive the ball so um, like I say it makes it a little bit more clearer once that half ends of like right that's what they've set up to do and this is how we're going to this is what we've got to do in, a, in order to change it um, and like I say it was just about us sometimes really just being a little bit more aggressive a little bit quicker in the way that we got the ball into the areas we were, we were intending to get there and it reflected that I watched it today and it reflected that we were trying to get into the areas of the pitch we knew we could hurt them yeah. perhaps not doing it cleanly enough or, or quickly enough so it was just about refining some of those things that we knew knew we're gonna we're gonna hurt them. And that's kind of the ba- I guess that's the basis of the half time team talk, which yeah. is basically the next question. Yeah, very yeah, very much so. It was very much like say, how are we gonna get Karoma on the ball a little bit more? How are we gonna be able to get dates one v one and, and yeah. Jovi one v one in those sort of and then obviously get Craig Clay and Gorman a little bit higher up the pitch to be able to hurt the opposition a little yeah. bit more rather than being deep when they receive possession of the ball. Yeah. Perfect. Not the best half for me. Um, didn't like the look. Uh, didn't look like the week. Uh, week off did us really any favours, and I thought we looked second best to, to a lot of the balls and too easily outmuscled as well. Bit of credit must go to Bromley for me, um, who tried to play football um, a little bit, um, set up to stop us as we've already discussed. Nick de Garth, there was a lot of stray passing as well, and a lot of that lack of movement, and maybe that is because they just set up, and as you've just said, yeah. there wasn't the holes in the pockets for us to pick. Um, which which made absolute sense. So lots of tweets into at Orient Outlook at half time, so at Kid Samson O said all very reminiscent of the Sutton game, a lethargic LOFC getting worked over in midfield by a well organised physical side. Dayton has been particularly bad, but you could criticise most of them. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a I think I think something. it's um I like. Without commenting on every tweet, I think it's you. Know what you can comment on as many tweets yeah, as what you want. I to think, say. like you say, it will be reminiscent of the Sutton game. Like I said, there that Sutton were, were very good and very professional at it. Whether we like it or not, and you know that people are fuggish and they slow the game down, and it, but that's a, t- a tactic that if your team have got that in Absolutely, their in yeah. their team to in your players to to do that that you would use. You wouldn't just go to Leighton Orient and say we're going to go toe-to-toe with them unless you thought you had the players to yeah, do that. I'm sure 100%. when we come up against Salford and the likes, they'll they'll have a little bit more of a go and it'll be a bit more of a game. So I think there's times when people probably think that we look lethargic and, and to an extent we probably do, but like I, say, I think it's because of the George Porter laid down four, four times in the first half mm-hmm. and tried to slow him in at that. The goalie was wasting time after 25 minutes getting the ball on one side of the goal and walking over. So you know the other team are here for a, a nil-nil and then a one-nil at, at best. Yeah. Um, so I think it, it's tough and it's frustrating for everyone, including us and the players, to try and overcome that. But I think it's something that's going to happen on a regular basis. It happened last year and we weren't fantastic in terms of our league position yeah. and, and the where we you know where we finished. Teams still came to Leighton Orient when we were down the bottom end of the league and put 10 or 11 men behind the ball so now we're at the top end and playing well teams are going to do it more and more and more and it's something that we've got to overcome I, I, just on that one I don't particularly agree that Dates was awful do you know what I mean because I think that's a bit of an heavy heavy comment we didn't get him in the, like I said just now we didn't get him in the game enough and he mm. couldn't get into the areas yeah. to work enough there wasn't enough space to try to to for him to do his work as as I think like I say a number of other yeah, people probably cool. were at the same time but like I say it, it, it just 
there is another team that are setting up with 11 yeah, men absolutely. to try to prevent you from doing that. And I mean, if you score against Haven, like we did, or against any team like we did against Haven, you end up getting an opportunity to win 2 or 3-0 because it changes everything. Mm-hmm. Whereas yesterday, we didn't get that early goal. It, it makes it that little bit more frustrating for a little bit longer. Yeah, I mean, their manager's half-time team talk would have been, that was superb. We've done exactly what yeah, he's I said to do. We've broken up the was, game, we've gone a goal up and they were frustrating and perfect yeah. do it again. His post-match team talk I saw this morning and it was that they were outstanding and it was a brilliant performance. I, like, personally, that's not a, something that I would look at a team that I was involved with and say it was yeah. a brilliant yeah. performance. It's a very, like, very tactically, it was well executed. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, but yeah. It, it wasn't my be idea of being yeah, brilliant yeah, performance, yeah. if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Buchan JP tweeted in saying, we played well for the first 10 minutes and then we've lost our way. They are first of the ball and two... Oh, first of the ball and two O's many... I think it's supposed to say too many Too many O's having bad games. Sorry, I couldn't quite read that properly. Some have been anonymous. Yeah, Big TV 4-7 said, Orient haven't come from behind to win a game all season. Will this be a first? Let's go ahead wow. and find question. out. What a question. What a question, what a question that was. Yeah. 6,058 uh, fans packed out, um, picked out, packed out the stadium with 541 away. I thought that was a good effort from Bromley. Yeah, I mean, superb attendance overall. I think Chesterfield was the second highest attendance in the National League. I think that came in at just over 4,000. So I've got that. Huge, I'll put that in later on. So yeah, huge yeah. So the second half kicked off. With no further subs for the O's and the 49th minute probably a game defining moment one might have gone under the radar to a certain extent but then Happy does very well to catch Goddard who went through on goal and his challenge sees the chance gone so then Happy he recovered brilliantly I think Dal like we said they were just said about trying to be a little bit quicker with the way that we were trying to play and I think Dal tried to set Dan up to play and like the next pass if you like and, and got it wrong yeah um, and Dan recovered. And Goddard got away, and he looked like he, he looked like he was about to score, but Dan Dan recovered unbelievably. Well he does played, that well, Dan. Dan. Yeah, Dan he's got those big well long leg, limbs, legs and that he can just a bit like out of nowhere. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's how him and Marv can do those sorts of things. Someone like yeah. me, like with short legs, I'm not going to do that. No. But someone like them, they're stri- they're two strides to my one, and. They'll nip round yeah. like you. You're you're quite tall. Like I don't know why we're comparing ourselves to professional defenders. I'm having it. I can it. see the likeness. I'm having I can it. See it. Has Marvin Epitetta scored an own goal at the at Brisbane Road? No, he hasn't. No, have I? Yes, exactly. Absolutely. Pristine. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Fifty-two minutes on the clock. Then James Dayton did well on the right hand side. Got himself into a good position, but shot wide when a pass may have been a better option. I thought that was the better option. I think that's a bit of a poor decision uh, for me. Fifty-fourth minute, much better from Orient. I think you can see in the first 10 minutes, like you're saying, there was more intensity, quicker. We like, were starting to get more of the crowd. You know, we were really getting behind the team as well. It's the 54th minute. Josh Karoma headed uh, Joby McEnough across to Bond, who shoots from close range. The ball was going in, but somehow Holland's got his foot in the way and the ball goes out. So we were obviously right behind that. And when Holland's leg came out, and it like, goes away. He it was like, it just, I've watched it today, and it, like, it just touches his toe and, toe, rises, yeah. and rises to the level that it did to go over the bar. It was Correct. ridiculous. Good piece of defending. It wasn't too dissimilar to Macca's goal, yeah. to be honest. Good piece of defending, because that was definitely going, was going in. in that was that point. I was up, ready to go, yeah. yeah. And it's like, I'm like, oh my God, how's that? How's, how's he saved that? that? Outstanding yeah. from them, to be fair. Yeah. Um, 56 minutes, wonderful equaliser for the O's as Captain Marvel, JB McEnough. Had a free kick uh, just outside the area, hit it sweetly into the corner of the net, giving the airkeeper no chance and made it 1-1. Sent the O's fans behind the goal. Absolute raptures. So um, film that. It's on our Twitter. Brilliant. On our Twitter. Great piece of filming. Thank you, mate. 
Fantastic. I think that actually did quite well because often what you'll see is someone oh, filming it and then everyone cheers and then the camera's going, going up and down. down. Well, I mean, he's the, the worst here, Ollie, and he was the Instagram. Yeah, I can't okay. watch it. I get motion sick. Absolute ca- ca- it's carnage. I can't watch it. Yeah, his arms go yeah. all over the and place. Flailing around. No, but it goes all that <laughs> very, very, very well done. Well put together, that. Thank you, very mate. professional. Well done, just Mr. Lee. Yeah, literally, yeah. it's just the thing is... It took all the emotion out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very much. It is a proper buzzkill. Absolute <laughs> buzzkill. But I don't want to see... No, of my videos jumping up and down and round and, and all the rest of it. It's not fun to watch that. Hey, as good as the filming was, let's get back to basics and talk about go. a free kick. That's Unbelievable. Go. What a free kick from James. Does he practice them in training? Yeah, there's a bit of, there's a bit of an ongoing, very regularly, yeah. very regularly, two or three times a week. Um, he has a little gang around him who, who fancy themselves to try and take him off. Do they? He dates it, the one in the first half. I think because of his left foot, that opens up a different angle. Angle, yeah, yeah. Um, Karoma's always sniffing, but I don't think he's got the clout to take it off for Joe. No, 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 not at all. Uh, Maka backs himself to try to take a free kick, but I think there's a bit of a queue, and there'll be a very long queue now after no, the way 100%. He's that. And I just sound about taking the emotion out of it. Sometimes you sit there and you hear everyone in the ground singing Joby's name, and you think, I feel ain't enough pressure already to yeah, a free yeah, kick from 25 yeah. yards. You've also got 4,500 people <laughs> screaming jumping up, yeah. up and down singing his name as he's about to shoot, but... That was unbelievable. Great score. reaction as well from Joby. Like I'm not saying what happened on the bench, but Joby obviously goes and runs off, and everyone just. Who, yeah, who was he? Wait, was he I, I know. I think he just genuinely run that way. <coughs> I don't think it was like I, I haven't heard that it was. There was a plan behind it. I, I watched the goal this morning, and as he runs away after he's taken it, one of the boys goes to grab him, and he sort of avoids it, and then I think he just his momentum and wherever he was running to, he was going to end up. So. Right. Superb hit, superb hit. So one all, and in the fifty ninth minute, the ground absolutely rocking. And before we've even recovered, yeah, I haven't even posted Joby's free kick video yet. No, I was still, we're still posted. talking about it. Was it was uploaded, wasn't it? Yeah. Dan Happy's clearance found McCordy Bond, who moved the ball to Karoma just inside the Bromley half. So Josh got the ball, ran at his defender, gets himself into the area, twists and turns his man twice, gets into a shooting position and smashes the ball. In Emphatically past Gregory. And Do you know what? For a number of reasons, one. for me, that goal takes and beat in this month. And I've, the reason why is precisely what you just said there about Dan Happy's clearance. He's so considered when I watched it today. See, on the highlights, the you bottom. don't really see right. it. You see it, cu- it comes in f- halfway from the half. Pass. Right. So you well, see, I need to have a word with Elliot to you get see, the change. <laughs> you, you see Bond getting the ball, so it don't, you don't yeah. really see the happy clearance. He, he's under pressure, and the ball comes in really quick. And the pass, the, the ball, the clearance that he hits to Macca is so considered. It's class the, 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 to be able to spot the pass and to be able to execute that in a manner that he did. And then what? Obviously, Macca's part, but for them, what Josh did to their back two or three that were left standing behind left the ball was fantastic. Yeah, left and then the other thing as well was the finish. The finish goes just above the defender's head as he's running back to try to defend on the line. So when you see it, he just sort it's of puts it into the roof of the net. It's an unbelievable goal. Wow. I was gobsmacked at the time. I yeah, mean, you were. That was the most emotional I think Southland has gone. I think maybe it's because of the, the day, maybe it's because of two quick goals in succession, succession. Yeah. maybe because it was yeah. Bromley, maybe because of the Porter factor. Yeah. But honestly, people were literally going bananas in the South Stand. Yeah. But for me... It, for me it's all about the second twist because once he twists first you think he's going to shoot and not both, obviously both centre backs think he's going to shoot you get ready for him to shoot and then he twists again to get more Very time and space yeah. and then That's when you see him strike it the one at um, Fylde in the second half 
when he I don't know if, yeah when he goes for, through yeah, yeah. and he shapes and the goalie goes to go gives him the eyes the post, he? and he just yeah. puts it in the near post. It was a little bit similar to that. It almost looked like it was favoured to be on his left as he struck it. So to get his body round it and put it into the position that he did was a really good finish. Excellent goal. Superb finish. Yeah, absolutely. And what a turnaround. Outstanding play from Josh. Seen players lose the ball in those situations, actually trying to be a bit too clever and uh, thinking they've got a bit more time than they actually have. But yeah, left their number six on his backside. Showed great feet. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. know that Josh has got that in his locker. So we're going to have to mention it, aren't we? The celebration. Yeah, I don't know what brought it on. I don't know what brought it on. I don't know if it was pure fluke that George Porter ended up the one or whether something had happened in order to make it known that we'd just gone two one up. So either way, it's well played, justice. Josh. Justice, well done. Well mate. played, Josh. You will not hear a bad word said by us about that. Some great uh, photos coming online at the moment of the actual just laughing, basically a porter, and then obviously Macklin having to restrain him. I'm sure it'll be more tomorrow once Simon awesome. puts his yeah. photos up. So the next fifteen minutes were fairly comfortable. No real chances to talk about. It was only looked good in possession. With Bromley chasing an equaliser, but not really creating anything to scare Dean Burrell. Yeah, 76 minutes on the clock. Second sub for the O's as James Brophy came on for Dale Gorman. Again, that just shows you kind of the depth of the squad where you know you take Gorman off, you can move Joby into the middle and bring Brophy on. And Brophy would have been one of the first names on the team sheet at the start yeah. of the season. I think, um, yeah, it definitely it shows what the quality of the squad. We, we talked about centre-halves and the midfield players yeah. earlier, but if you look at the wingers, you can also include... Josh Kramer in that kind yeah, of there's that real variety and then obviously without forgetting the front players it's 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 um there's a lot of competition for those places. Obviously Brof came out of the team with that injury, injury that he had. Yeah. He played in the week to try to get himself up to scratch a little bit more. Again, because he like so that he's capable of coming on at yeah. that period of time that he did and, and being able to to deliver a performance. Yeah. Unbelievable. You wouldn't fancy much seeing the ball go up knowing that there was a sub being made and seeing Brof come on for, for someone at that, in the last 15, no, 20 minutes. Would yeah, you? strength in depth is true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as an Orient fan, that's a mate. It's great to see, isn't it? Yeah. Like another player of Brof's quality coming on. An attacking player as really a when you're 2 1 up already with yeah. 15 minutes to go. Yeah. yeah. So you so got a bit worried, didn't you? Yeah, you, yeah. Won't, yeah. you wouldn't be overly. No. So he's a minute good build up places. McCordy Bond crossed the ball in from the right hand side. Josh just gets ahead of his man. Uh, and the ball goes agonisingly wide. Is that the one where he's tried to be clever and yeah. sort of loop it behind? Um, 78 minutes on the clock then, the game is sewn up. Uh, as the O's make it 3-1, James Brophy does really well, passed it to Joby McAlove just outside the box. His driven shot is parried by Gregory uh, in the Bromley goal. Straight to Macaulay Bond though, of all people that you'd want it to come out to. Uh, as an Orient fan, it's great. Uh, but he smashed the ball into the net to make it 3-1 yeah. and effectively kill the game off. Yeah, well done, Macca. Uh, right place, right time. Typical Bond. Yeah. But he, he ain't going to miss those. Fantastic. I think their keeper <coughs> was really disappointed because obviously, again, right behind you, you would see massive disappointment. Yeah. But there's a lot of parrying with goalkeepers. There, there's that lack of holding. They all like yeah. to sort of push it out, but they always seem to I think push it out into yeah, danger. I areas. think you're right. And I think, I don't know much about goalkeeping. They're all weird, aren't they? But you... <laughs> The aim would be that when you're trying to push it out, is that you get it away from the goal. You know I mean? yeah. It was very, very central, and he, it looked to me that he he almost got caught in between two of all the way and then by the time it's on top of him, it's too late to do either. Yeah. But good build-up play as well. One on Brophy again, only was in the action for a couple. Of yeah, minutes. sort of similar to the way Josh involved. chopped back on the first one, and then Craig Clay really good feet to to lay it off to Joe yeah, before yeah, the, yeah. before the yeah. side yeah. was made. So now, now we notice. <laughs> 
we noticed. We're going to have to mention this as well. Uh, we couldn't help but notice while we were celebrating that goal that there was some goings on in the uh, technical area. A little bit. Enlighteners. If I tell you I weren't involved, would you believe me? No. <laughs> right, okay, then well, I won't use that tactic. Um, so at half time, there was an issue um, with one of their players who formerly played for Leighton Orient, it wasn't George Porter, right. had, a, had a bit of a pop at, at the gaffer. Um, Did he? So when the goal went in at 3 1, a little bit like Josh did with, with George Porter, it was just made known that we'd gone 3 1 up to remind him of what he said at half time. Right. Um, to which their, their dugout reacted, I suppose, how you would, if you like. So to support him, yeah. To back him up, and then just got, for, without going into loads of detail on what was said and why it happened, but just got a little bit too carried away, in yeah. my opinion, and therefore you know, myself and, and, and the gaffer reacted to that. Do you know what I mean? Course, so yeah, it was yeah. a little bit like playground stuff, if you like, to an extent, but there's a few things said that didn't need to be, didn't need to be. In my in my opinion, from their yeah. from their dugout, but like I said it, it it was more trying to show you show a stance or a bit of power rather than anything else yeah. more than that. No one got close enough to it. To did anyone get booked? I know Justin. The ref was over Justin there. got booked. Yeah, the gaffer got booked, and so did uh, their goalkeeper, coach Jim Stannard. Okay. Oh, so Jim Stannard, ex Fulham. That Jim Stannard. Yeah, he was. He did do some bits here years ago when Lingy oh, was Jim manager. Jim Stannard. Um, rings a bell. Yeah, Fulham it when, when Fulham were when Fulham were when Fulham were in the same division as Leighton Orient yeah. in like 91, 92 yeah, yeah 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 that's how you know his name right yeah okay. so you would have kind of instigated it but you didn't get booked you got away scot free I didn't instigate it I didn't instigate <laughs> it I definitely never <laughs> you were involved I was, I I was amongst it because yeah, I saw so. Justin sort of pull you back at one point yeah, there was like I'll say. I don't like, need to, to tell you just, what just was said. Uh, to, some just of, to move you away from it. And yeah, say, right, some of the, some of the things that were said by people in their dugout didn't need to be said. And right. um, yeah, I get that. It's eightieth minute. Dean Brill has to be alert as he makes a very good save from Porter's poked shot. So obviously, if that goes in, it's a very different last ten minutes. And Brill had not had much to do in no. the second half, but so has to be alert. And we remember and, saying and Brill. I mean. Great save. He's made some great saves this season, Dean Yeah, Brill. my watch had stopped as well at that stage, so I couldn't quite get to grips with how long was left. So he made the save, and I looked down and thinking, how long's to go? Like, yeah, it stopped yeah. or whatever. And, and I asked someone how, how long, and he, I just couldn't get my head around where we were in, in the game because <laughs> my, my watch had, had gone wrong. So it was a bit of a stranger knowing it was the latter stages of the game, but like you say, it would have... Um, it would have definitely set up a yeah. bit of a different ending, wouldn't it? Yeah, well played, Dean Bros. So the next ten minutes. It's important as a goalkeeper, like you know, without in mind, is that he stays yeah. stays switched on in a, on a, on a coach's like because he didn't have a great deal else to do, did he? Yeah, no, he's really been on this season. So yeah. it's fantastic to see. The next ten minutes, CZO's comfortable again with probably having a few efforts on goal, but nothing that really troubles Dean Bro. And in the ninetieth minute, the final sub for the O's is James Allaby comes on for James Dayton, and again, it's not a like for like swap. Obviously, Karami goes into midfield. Yeah. And Allaby goes up top. Could go up top. Yeah, first minute of additional time added on. James Allaby does well to drive the ball forward, gets the ball to Josh Cromer, who obviously full of confidence, had a dip in effort that just went over the bar. Yeah, and he gets named as man of the match, I think, yeah. when that goal kick's taking place. Yeah, much to his surprise. Yeah, I, I think, think he was I think he was just pleased to get it over Joby. Yeah. Yeah, yeah fair play. that'd be something I'm sure he mentions this week at some stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A well-deserved there for Josh, and the full-time whistle goes shortly afterwards as the O's win 3-1 to get a standing ovation from the fans in attendance as rocking all over the world. 
blares out over the Tannoy system. Justin Edinburgh spoke to Dave Victor after the match and he said uh, he was delighted with the big performance. It's about the squad and Dan Happy was exceptional today. The side uh, had a real belief and determination. We used the fans to our advantage, he went on to say. The atmosphere around the club was excellent, a moving tribute before the game and we've done it justice today. Yeah, when asked about the Wimbledon vacancy, Justin explained he's very happy at Leighton Orient and that the rumours haven't unsettled the players. And he finished by saying Marvin Pateta had a dead leg and the injury isn't too serious, which is fantastic. So the league table meant that as Wrexham drew, we climbed back to the top first place. Yeah. Numero uno of the National League by a point as we've now played 20, won 12, drawn 7, lost 1, 43 points and a goal difference of plus 27. I mean, we all would have snapped anyone's hand off after 20 games to be top just one defeat and looking good value at goal difference is, is phenomenal really yeah 27 highest in the division and then it's Salford at 24 and they're a point behind us so yeah looking really healthy really healthy they say you average two points a game and what do we do we do uh, 46 games that's 92 yeah, 92, uh, 92 yeah, points yeah. it's promotion you would hope. You'd hope. You would hope. Um, so you're on the game yesterday? Yeah, I'm going to use a well-used cliche. Uh, game of two halves, really. First half was probably actually, and I don't mean to sound too harsh here, but it was probably the worst I'd seen, us, uh, seen from us this season. And that's probably actually a testament to how good we've actually been um, all season. Um, nearly every player looked nervous. Uh, our passing was poor, our movement... Uh, as was our movement lots of sideways and backwards passing but the positive for me was I know we can play so much better and half time couldn't have come soon enough a bit of a forgettable half Um, I'm glad it did Um, and what must Justin have said in the dressing room at half time Uh, we were excellent in the second half much livelier much sharper closing Bromley down and forcing errors and we look like the team I know we are uh, capable of being the goals were fantastic real real high quality Joby's free kick was a peach Josh's goal was so well worked by him sending their defence everywhere Uh, and Macca's just rounded off a perfect second half display for us best wishes to Marv following his injury and huge credit goes to Dan Happy who came in for Marv and it must be we've said it before we've discussed it before about particularly a defender coming in midway through a game um, to, to, to replace another uh, defender so it was about settling in really quickly there uh, made some very very composed uh, perf- uh, very composed performance made some excellent time tackles and uh, I think we've got a real yeah, real huge uh, prospect yeah, on our yeah, hands there anyway. a proper player yeah, yeah. finally not uh, that he isn't ready no <laughs> no but he's only young so he's got yeah. all that time ahead of him and finally can we all please stop making George Paul to the centre of attention I think his ego is large enough and we don't need to keep making him feel he's important by singing he even abusing him um, uh, in, in those songs. The less we say, the better, I think, as it helps him to raise his game. Thank you very much. Good points, well made. Just to go back from Justin's half-time team talk, yeah. does he hold court for 15 minutes? Or does he do like, or do you, Danny, and Justin take different players? Or does it work differently depending yeah, yeah. on the result? It depends on the situation. Um, how it normally works is there's a little <coughs> coach's room as you walk into the tunnel on the right. Yeah, the bunker. Side. So we, we go straight in there and then what that does is that gives the boys, 15 minutes don't sound very long but it's an eternity when you, if you try to talk for that long. I bet, yeah. So we go in there and it gives the boys a uh, chance to calm down, get anything done, sorted that they need to get sorted, whatever that might be, if they need to change a shirt, if they need something done with a physio, you know, whatever, whatever the relevant thing might be at the time. So it gives them a bit of time to breathe. With an, in, with an experienced group in terms of some of the experienced players that we've got, someone like Joby, Dean Brill, Josh Coulson, people like that who have been at the level, you know, 
that, that, that really gives them a chance as well to work together to yeah. get a bit of a you know they're the ones out there they're the ones doing it they they can share those opinions it gives them that little bit of time that can last for three four five minutes sometimes um, then we go we go in obviously during that time we'll talk about what we yeah. what we think Same, and yeah. what we need to do um, and then we go into the dressing room and the gaffer says gaff, the gaffer leads it um, talks about what we've talked about or what he feels is good, bad or indifferent, what we need to change um, and what we need what we need to do to move forward. Once he's done that, he gives he asks me what I think and what I wanna wanna say. Sometimes if he said every I, I make quite a lot of notes in the first yeah. half, but if he said all that needs to be said in my opinion at the time I won't say anything. If there's things I think he's not said that, I, that yeah, I've noticed yeah. or something that's a little bit more relevant then I'll I'll add on top of, of what he said yeah. um, once that's done the rest of it is like a little bit more motivational in terms of like very much group related stuff trying to get everybody back up again and ready to go little reminders of things that perhaps were still relevant from before the game uh, anything that might be specific to individuals so then like you'll see Webby talking to Maka, talking to Josh Karoma, the gaffer will speak to you know whoever it might be at yeah. that particular time. Those more individual things of what we think are going to help those particular players, um, you know, as last little reminders before they go out. So it's like I say, if you broke it down exactly how it looks, it'd probably be the lads getting their time together and getting themselves organised and sharing anything that they have between themselves. <coughs> the gaffer myself and then anything individual before they go out and again for the second interesting half. great insight thank you Ross my views I'm going to keep it a bit shorter than Paul I didn't see the result coming after the first half but what a fantastic second half performance that one was we started it with a real intensity uh, led by Joby's free kick and Josh we've kind of mentioned it haven't we I mean what a play he's starting to turn into and like the filed go he showed, he showed speed skill and composure uh, with his finish and once it was 3-1 it was done. The atmosphere in the South Sound was rocking. I don't know if it was the kit or the occasion or the opposition, but that was, again, I've mentioned it before, but the most emotional, invested game I've been in in some time. I absolutely loved it. And well done to Dan Happy, who I think needs a bit of a mention as he was exceptional. And on to next Saturday we go. So those were our views, loads of views um, on Twitter that will mention Ross is going to yeah. do some as well he's back mentioning your tweets what other podcasts can give you the club's assistant manager I do apologise in advance for my lack of quality in reading out people's Twitter handles as I've learned since my last experience <laughs> absolutely. not Twitter names absolutely so we'll mention as many as we can and just because we read them doesn't mean we agree with them so at George underscore LOFC says to see that we can win 3-1 even after an extremely disappointing first half is very good Edinburgh's half-time talk must, must have been very, very good. Yeah, George Girk said, Josh needs a knighthood after giving it to George Porter. The best moment of the game for me, getting great result. Imagine if he did get a knighthood for that. Imagine. <laughs> Imagine. Uh, at Elko Wardo, I always say not to pay attention to the table until at least Christmas, but today I saw a Christmas tree up in Asda. So does that mean I can dare to start being excited about the season? We are hashtag we are top of the league. Yeah, he also went on to actually say that. Oh, oh yeah, by the way, other supermarkets oh, are available. Very yeah. good tweet. Yeah. Paul underscore LT2P. So it's a fantastic second half. Three excellent goals. I thought Happy did very well when he came on. Joby and Josh were different class. And I thought Joe Willison had a really good game as well. The boys did the shirt proud. Just speak about Joe. I know his podcast has gone mental for time. 
Wellesson is one of those players who consistently consistently goes under the radar yeah. every week, but it's consistently delivering an eight out of ten performance yeah. and doing what solid. he does very effectively. Yeah, I think very I think, solid. Yeah. When do you ever see Joe Widdison get beat one v one? I think that's the yeah, that's a don't. real big thing. Yeah, he doesn't. Samuel OFC 97 said, After a poor first half, that second half performance was top draw. Big mention to Happy, never easy to come on as a defender and bossed it. That goal-saving block was top draw. At Jason Spurs. Are we really reading out a Spurs name? Yeah. (laughs) Poor first half. Didn't get the ball on the floor enough. Superb second half, led by a superb free kick by Joby. Once we went ahead, we looked looked in control. If he's come to watch Orient, it's good enough. No, right? it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Just not a fan of Spurs. We had one from a Blackpool fan following could have the been worse. Could have been Jason Hammer or something like that. We, I can, yeah, I can tell you now, we definitely would have written <laughs> Hammer or Iron in the title. <laughs> uh, down, underscore, underscore, south. It's fir- it was a flat first half, but Bon and Josh did have nothing to work with. Thought Dan Happy did well, considering he would have been a little rim rusty. Yeah, Daniel underscore D44 said, Brilliant second half. Happy was so comfortable when he came on. Karoma's goal was magic, and I think McEnough is the first player to score a free kick in that goal for about 15 years. Thought Clay was man of the match. He ran the show in the second half, even when he was sat on the floor. <laughs> yeah, he super passed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, at Orient Fan TV, see, that's better. Unsettled first <laughs> half, great second half. Love Karoma's celebration. In front of Mr. Porter, not Matt Porter, obviously. No. Glad we got the performance and win in the end on a special day when we remembered those XO's players who gave so much in World War One. We're late in Orient, we're top of the league. Sound both once the second half much better, very well taking goals. As much as we all have the Chroma celebration, moment of the match has to be, and we've not mentioned this guy yet, Brilliant. the full kit guy who was copying the Bromley player, warming up quality, <laughs> topped up a great win. And I'm sure if you're not seeing it, yeah, you will end up seeing yeah, it on social media. See it. It's brilliant. The I Orient see it before fan. the game, he even had a captain's armband on. I did. Yeah. That is proper. The that Orient proper. fan, on his, I presume he's an Orient fan. Yeah, yeah well, he must be. He must be on his stag do in full kit, warming up alongside the Bromley substitute. Fantastic. Yeah, copying them. Yeah, yeah brilliant. Jack R. Rayner said, Great second half performance from the lads. These are the type of situations we need to win and teams we need to beat for the best hope of promotion. Before I read out this Twitter handle name, right, yeah. I remember when I used to go in the East Stand and yeah. I used to sell the pandemoniums outside and he yeah. used to shout out, pandemonium, 50p. Right. They're not still 50p, are Pound. They? Pound, right. Inflation. So minimum at wage. pandemonium, 1881. <laughs> Slow first half, followed by a completely different second when we... Both moved the ball with we sorry when we both moved the ball with far greater intensity and purpose, and also missed up mi- mixed up angles of attack in two long field balls to give the opposition far more to think about. Another excellent win, showing more credentials. Yeah, Daz Hodge says really pleased to beat Bromley. Joby's free kick was the spark, and they went to pieces after. This group of players is excellent. And they never, never, never give up. The Dorset Vikings said, what a second half performance. Played some great football. McEnough and Karoma's goals both stunning. Got under Bromley's skin and gave them a taste of proper of a proper footballing team. Bring on Wrexham. The authentic Gaz. Loved the Leighton Orient kit today. A great way to pay tribute to the Fallen and all of the 41 heroes of World War One. Fair play. Yeah, Vince Howard, yeah. 73. Says, fantastic second half. Cracking goals from Joby Josh. We really seem to have the ability to go up a few gears when we need to, which could well be the difference come the end of the season. Magic underscore John said, I still think we need two players to fill out the squad to last a year, but struggling to find how or where to fit them. 
Gorman, although sloppy at times, love how he demands the ball even in tight spaces and Woodison, an unsung hero of the year so far and happy show class. Uh, at Boatsy, great results, especially after a poor first half. We overcome their constant play acting, time wasting and general poor conduct. These are the types of games that make or break a promotion push. Very good point there, Ben. It's yeah. great to catch up with Ben after four years. Yeah. Ben, oh, ben Boatman, yeah? yeah. Yes. I saw him out at... Hartley Where did we Paul play? Hartley Poor thing. Would have been Hartley Poor. Was it Gateshead? One of the two. Would have been, but probably both of them. I think it was Gateshead. He's from Scotland. I saw him. Yeah, he's living in living in Barrow, Scotland. Barrow, Edinburgh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah. Haven't played no, no, this season. Just, I'm yeah. sure it was Gateshead. Yeah, he'd not been to the stadium for four years. Oh, well, I thought we'd seen him like last year, but I'm probably as well, yeah. No, so Ben, good tweet. Thank yeah. you for buying a mug. We'll come on to the mugs later. A rainy day. This is a slow start, but their girl woke us up. And from that point on, we played fantastic flying football with everyone stepping up and scoring some great goals. What a player Karoma is, and well done to Dan Happy, who slotted in seamlessly and played great. Yeah, Adam Fontaine once said, um, thought, we, uh, thought we was just trying to have... Sorry, let me start that again. Thought we was just trying to suss them out first half and maybe not quite match sharp after the break we had last week. But whatever Edinburgh said at half-time certainly had the desired effect. Uh, second half as... Sorry... Had the set, had the desired effect in the second half as we really turned on the afterburners. Blue and white, so it's me this week. Uh, Having trouble well, reading. I didn't want to say anything. At Digger H seventy seven three zero forty six. You've thrown that one in just to get me back. Honestly, not. Probably, probably the best afternoon I've had at Brisbane Road for some time. Great goals, great kick, great crowd, great result, great occasion all round. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Dave M eighteen twelve says a great result. If he displayed, even when we started playing, we made too many silly mistakes. My man of the match was Joe Willison, but. A Special mention must go to Dan Happy. Thought he was immense when he came on. And Big George might find his fourth choice. Yeah, question later on comes up, I think, about George. Eastside Orient said, We showed our class today against a dogged Bromley. As good as our forwards were in the second half, our defence gave an excellent 90-minute performance with Josh Coulson quietly organising those around him. A very important game next weekend where avoiding defeat is paramount. At Chris underscore Convey. Forgot how much I liked Dan Happy. Unfortunately for him, Marv and Josh have been undroppable, but it's great to have someone with his class keeping them on their toes. At George Nicholas underscore one says that the win kind of feels like it could be a defining moment. We haven't come from behind in a long time, and it shows we have what it takes to get a job done and never give up. Give up. Very fitting, giving yesterday's occasion. At I Heart Rushmore said, great win. We were sloppy in the first half, but as soon as the first half went in... At first went in, it felt like we were never in doubt. Scary part is, we had a lot more gears if needed. Happy was class when he came on, and the atmosphere was great. I love our club. At Janine Adelman, shirts look great, and like, and like that club, want to raise money for them for the headstone of Spider Parker. But can't help feeling the auction route would exclude many fans, by virtue of the likely size of the winning bids. So is... I think that's so is it. So is it... A better idea to somehow go down the raffle route, enabling everyone to have an equal chance of owning a bit of history with everyone who wants to, buying a ticket and therefore feeling they have had a part in purchasing the headstone. Hashtag Orient Family. That's, fair. That's a fair suggestion, yeah. that. Yeah. And the final That's word finished. this week yeah. goes to Gorillas 1985. This is not ourselves in the first half, but second half was brilliant. Two fantastic goals from McAuliffe and Karoma. Glorious celebration by Karoma and Porter looked the beta man after it went 3-1. Wrexham will be a thrilling game next week. Hashtag top of the league. So let us know if you agree or disagree with any of the tweets we read out. 
Let us know what you think by tweeting us at Orange Outlook or by emailing us at Outlook at Outlook.com. Yeah, Prediction League update then because we are ploughing through this podcast yeah. here. Uh, well done to Stassi Stassi at Tino Le Surf who get three points. Uh, extra well done to Brad One Malloy at Ben Orient 97 at Gary Hammond Perk at Gorillas 1985 at Grano 75 at Biffo Prop who all said 3 1 and one scorer, so you get four points. Uh, extra, extra well done to at only one Orient at Orient underscore Viking uh, at Derby 507 at Sue underscore Manx at Leighton Orient. Yeah, that's right. Oh, okay. That's the guy yeah, again, yeah. At, yeah, yeah. Very clever. At Robert Lock 14 at Tim Roberts 28 at Pills of Dome Men. At PDR triple one two at Rob M, uh, Rob MCC sixty eight who all said three one and two scorers. I mean, blimey, you're really uh, doing yourself well there. So you get five points, but yeah. So an extra huge kudos to Barry Twin at Samuel LFC ninety seven and Leon Reste who all called three one and all called the correct three scorers for Orient. So got the full house wow, six yeah. points to those boys. So top prediction league. And that's Barry Her- Barry Twins' um, third correct prediction on the bounce, apparently. Yeah, but had he been predicting all season, it'd probably be top. But yeah. he didn't. Yeah. So Barry, tough. You're up there, but you ain't <laughs> top. So 21 points <laughs> leading away is at Pills of Doman. 18 points is Mark Shepherd underscore 79. And in third place, 16 points, Ian Manet, Renee John at Rob MCC68. And at Stephen Orient. And the full table is on our Facebook page. And as always, thank you for your predictions. Yep, so moving on to today then, Sunday the 18th of November, and following his performance against Bromley, Josh Caroma was named in the National League Papers Team of the Week. So well done, Josh. Yeah, and the O's women's team booked their place in the Capital Cup semi-finals with a 5-2 win over Harringay Borough at the Marlin Stadium. Hayley Barton opened the scoring with an effort from distance on the 22nd minute, but Harringay stood firm and frustrated the O's in the build-up to half-time. Skipper Danielle Griffiths converted a 52nd minute penalty before Barton curled home a delightful free kick for Orient's third. Harringay hit back with a close-range finish before Barton claimed a hat-trick, taking the score to 4-1, and the striker Chanel Richards tapped home the O's fifth from close range, while Harringay snatched a second goal in stoppage time, which proved only a consolation. So the ladies are away next to Norwich City in the FA Women's National League next Sunday, and good luck to the ladies. And thank you to Sam Few for sending us his report on today's match. So we aim to get a bit more of a comprehensive update on the youth and on the ladies. So thanks to Sam again and Dan again for their match reports. Absolutely. So moving on now to some questions for you. We had uh, we put it out to the uh, to the Orient public. Cool. Uh, so David Barrett emailed us saying Josh Caroma is proving to be a very effective goal scorer at national league level. Are you working with him to make him even better by being able to use his left foot a, a, a bit more, a la Harry K- like Harry Kane has done? Is there any? Josh would be over the moon if he ends up like Harry Kane. Can you imagine. <laughs> um, the answer to that is yes. Um, we do a lot of work. Um, so for argument's sake on a week when we have no midweek game we do a lot of work with a number of, the, of players across the group what it tends to look like is Webby has the more attacking players and I have the more defensive ones so on a Tuesday morning we go out half an hour before training starts and they'll work on different aspects relevant to some of it would just be the finishing some of it would be hold up play crossing again dependent on the players that are out, the players that, um, that 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 we're working with. Josh is one of those that's out. So we do Tuesday morning, Friday morning. Um, Josh is one of those that's out always with those group. Like I say, he tends to go out with Webby. Webby ends up with people like Macca, Matt Harold, James Alabi, uh, Josh, Brophy, uh, Levi. 
those sorts of players that, that end up working with him and then more often than not I end up with people like Juddy, Sam Ling, Dan Appy, Shadrach, Marvin, um, Dal Gorman, like those sorts of players. So obviously it's relevant to their positions that we work with them. So the answer to that question, the long, long-winded answer is yes, we are working with them regularly. And then after training a lot, we do additional finishing sessions. Um, Joby's one that's quite proactive as well, is staying out yeah. and working on things like left foot because it's relevant to him, but yeah. it's also relevant to people like Brophy, like Josh Karoma. So, um, yes, is the answer. <laughs> Good answer. So via Twitter then, Les K says, do you think we need to strengthen in January? And do you think any players will be leaving? He says, he asks this, as back in 2014, I think we made a huge mistake in not strengthening the squad, and we all know how that ended. I think the answer to that question is, there's a possibility uh, that's not me shirking it or avoiding that. I think there'd always be a possibility of us wanting to kick on and freshen up the group in terms of that extra you know, little impetus that we're going to need and going to want. Um, so we certainly are looking at players and the possibility of bringing people in. Someone mentioned earlier about adding players to the group and then how do you add players to the group yeah. in terms of yeah. who do you leave out, who do exactly. you take out. Um, so I think it's vital that we get the right characters. You don't want to bring somebody in who's going to upset what we've got in terms yeah. of the personalities that are in the dressing room. Um, and then also somebody that if they're going to come in, he's going to understand that potentially they're not coming in straight away to start and play every week. They've got to work their way into the team and there's a possibility that that might not happen you yeah. know, as yeah. quickly as perhaps they would like. So that that's something that, that people need to, to bear in mind. Um, I think the other side of that uh, is are people going to move on or leave the, the characteristics that we've got in the group I think there's a real togetherness in terms of people wanting to achieve something so will people want to move on I, I don't think so but then at the same time not people playing, are not going to play and they've yeah, got you yeah. know, careers and their livelihoods and their long term futures to think about and potentially yeah. that might be something that comes up closer to January um, you always want to improve the squad there's always a possibility for us to improve the squad throughout the season so whether we actually do it in January or not might not be the definitive time that we do it in because of the way that it works yeah. in terms of the window yeah. in, in this league who's so, available that's right so it needs to be the right character I know I've gone the long way around in terms of not totally answering that question but the answer is you know, I think people would want to hear yeah, is that course. we're definitely open minded we've definitely got our finger on the pulse as to the right potential came up yeah at the right and then price. likewise we wouldn't want to see particularly wouldn't want to see anybody move on but if it's the right thing for them and then it yeah. fits in terms of making sure that we've got the right numbers in the squad then that could well be a possibility you mentioned players coming in and not being able to get into the team one of those players is a lone player from Palace, yeah. Levi. So yeah. he joined quite a decent rep. I think we were quite excited when he came. Decent yeah. scrum record. Is he's, he still He's still club? here. He's still here. Um, Levi gets a lot of his football by going back and playing for Palace's 23s when they've got a game. So I think tomorrow morning, I think he has got a game tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon for, for Palace's 23 so that he gets his football uh, and you know keeps himself fit and sharp. Um, it's precisely what I've said there really Levi came in obviously we, we put him on in that, that game when he came on for four or five minutes towards the back end um, but I think the, the simple thing is is that we've got our own players if you like people like you know Brophy who weren't particularly involved at that at that time one or two injuries that we had that led to, to Levi coming in which has meant that we feel that at the moment our players are ahead of him in terms of their experience their qualities that they've got 
um, and it's Levi's job to come in and apply himself appropriately uh, and work his way into the manager's plans and, and, and to, to turn our heads so that you can't leave him out. So mm. far it hasn't happened for him, which is unfortunate, but hopefully, you know, him being on loan at a club like ours, he, he comes away from this, you know, benefiting from from the experience and it and it helps him in terms of his longer term career. Unfortunately it just hasn't hasn't that happened on this occasion. Yeah. Yeah. Whether that changes by the time his loan comes up for renewal or not, we will remain to be seen. John McIntyre on Twitter asked, uh, what's the club's position uh, on giving George Ellicobi a new contract? I'm not sure necessarily that you're No, it's not something that, that I would be able to answer directly, but I think it's like a lot of players in our squad. There'd be a number of players that would be out of contract at the end of this season. Mm. Um, George is one of those. George isn't in the squad at the moment, but George applies himself in exactly the same way. That, you know, I sound like a broken record, but <laughs> like a number of those players every day does things properly. George is ready if we need him to come and play minutes in the team but I think yesterday shows that Dan yeah. Happy because of George's injury Dan Happy's ahead of him Dan Happy steps into the team and he, well. and he does a sound job yeah, you know the, the, in terms of what was required of him and more so unfortunately for George at the moment he finds himself yesterday as the 17th man outside yeah. of the squad and it's, it's it's the situation I'm sure he's been in before but with regards to a new contract that's, that's something that will evolve over the yeah. rest of the season I think Stassi Stassi asked, did Ebu Adams burn his bridges at the O's? I hope so, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I've got no, I you know, don't need to make too much uh, of a deal out of it, but yeah. for somebody that didn't want to stay at this football club in terms of my own opinion on him, in terms of that, you know, never say never, I suppose, in football, because stranger things have happened, yeah. but Ebu made his position known in terms of what he wanted to do or what he didn't want to do in relation to Leighton Orient. He chose... The, the route that he wanted to choose and so far he's found himself at the other end of the league yeah. and that's the choices you make in, in football and yeah. as far as I'm concerned that's the situation with him but like that's I say you never know in football do you in, in years to come would we see him return that's, that's, that's something that's that way out of anything that I'm interested in David Danu on Facebook asked what have been the key ingredients that you guys have been using at the training ground that have made <laughs> us a successful National League side this season apart from the cakes on the birthdays the cakes yeah of course sugar <laughs> or not or, or not a Macca's case but um, number number of things I think um, like I said we, we talked about what Portugal looked like for us I think the way that we I mentioned it on the on the podcast last last year not even I don't even know if it was the end of the last season or, or one of the other ones where uh, when we got beat by Gateshead in the Cup last year, we said to the boys, um, this could go one or two ways. We've got 10 or 11 games left of the season. We can either be that club that sees it out as win one, lose one, draw one, lose a couple more, and, and it becomes end, ending up one of those seasons or ends to the season. It's like, doesn't mean a great deal. Um, and the motivation from us as staff to them was, well, let's we need to build now for next season. This is the start of our new season. Mm. So to really give us the energy to come back. And that's what everybody came back with, real energy to to do things, everything properly, to really you know, add to the good end to the season, a good feeling that we had as a group from last year to make sure that we were really ready to hit the ground running. Um, so... That was a massive part of it, so it wasn't particularly what we've, the ingredients we've used from this season, but I think mm. it's, it's certainly something that we tried to put into them to make sure that we were prepared to come back to really have a right go at what we were trying to achieve. Yeah. And the boys have, the boys have continuously made dividends. Yeah. Yeah. 
So thank you to David via the forum. Owsbury O's says it appears the players are fitter this season. I think we spoke about that on the podcast several times. I mean, they'll they'll wear GPS trackers. I guess these days are there stats that you measure. Yeah, again. massively. Yeah. Um, last year, I guess. Do you know what? When you when things are going well, everyone looks like they're running that little bit more, and everybody thinks that they're working that little bit harder. Um, I think they are fitter first and foremost is the answer to that question because we never had a pre-season last season. Yeah, and, yeah. Or people will say, well, you did, you had a four-week one, but that four-week pre-season was not anything fitness-related because we were starting to play games against Tottenham at the end of the first week, which were games that were already committed to the end of the season before. So we never had any fitness work, really, that we put into the boys. So every player that came in whenever they came in at that stage of pre-season, hadn't done anything of any real substance other than what they were doing themselves. And no matter what anyone says, you can't get physically football fit by going on the treadmill in the gym or going and doing your own running. There's only so far that you can push yourself. So we never had that last year. So certainly they are definitely fitter. Mm. Um, statistically, I think that, that certainly is reflected in terms of the work that Emma does with all the, the statistics and the GPS you know, access that we've got. Um, and that really varies from game to game. So a game like yesterday, the, the distance stats were, were not as high as they normally are, um, but the sprint stats were a little bit, like the maximum sprint stats were, were a little bit higher than, okay. than the regular. Um, and that sometimes can purely be result-specific. Sometimes it can be whether you're at home or away and maybe you're a little bit more, defend a little bit deeper and play on yeah. the counter. You know, so there's a lot of different variables that add to that, but... Um, certainly the answer is yeah we're fitter <laughs> um, e- I'm sure he wouldn't have just wanted me to just say yeah we're fitter so that's why <laughs> EAGWGW says how comes Danny Webb gets to listen to the radio during the match no, no it's not fair is it he's got the little earpiece what? in what's no. he listening to no he's not yeah he can't keep his he can't stay away from Dave no um, so Webby has an earpiece in because he has direct contact with Joe our analyst up in the oh. up in the top so if there's a, for argument's sake, if there's a decision that ain't great, he gets to find out what that looked like. Um, if in terms of things like set pieces, he's really tough sitting. It's probably the worst seat in the house sitting in the dugout trying to work out mm. if someone lost their man or who was marking who and whether or not he dealt with the right with the right person at that time. So obviously Joe's as high up as he is. One, he can see it. Two, he can also rewind it back on his laptop to tell us. I'm not sure if he's actually rewind on an Apple Mac anymore, is it? but <laughs> that type of thing to go back and tell Webby who didn't did or didn't do something right. So there's a lot of different things that we use it yeah, for in terms of trying to find out, um, offer Joe what what happened at a particular cool. time. Yeah, I, I didn't realise Danny listens to an earpiece. Yeah. Never seen that yeah. before. Um, I, he also goes to RCA GWGW. Are there any differences working under Justin as opposed to Davis? Yeah, lots. Um, I, I I said at the time and I said to both yourselves on, on the podcast after Steve went that um, and it, like I said about Daryl earlier it's when someone new comes into a job people just forget about the bloke mm. that went before and Steve was a good guy and I got on really well with him during the time that was here um, but there's a lot of differences in terms of their personalities and their characteristics um, Justin, he's, Justin demands a hell of a lot more from everybody in terms of you know, he's an imposing character. Uh, he, you know, he, he demands intensity. He demands hard work from everybody, that staff and, and the players. Steve wanted that, but had a different manner in, in terms of the way that he he, he did that. It, yeah. For me, selfishly and personally, I do a lot more coaching 
under under the gaffer as a as opposed to what I did under Steve. Um, a lot of my stuff with Steve was more related to like organisational stuff. Um, Steve was a coach, and obviously he was the manager, but he was he was a coach who liked to do a lot of the work on the training ground. Uh, the gaffer Justin, as he's referred to, and that he's he's a manager, and first and foremost, obviously he has a massive contribution and input and everything that I do out on the training pitch comes from his instruction and the discussions that, that myself and him and Webby have um, so I do like I say I do a lot more coaching I have a lot more hands on in terms of what we deliver day to day and how we go about doing that I've touched on earlier like at half time he always asks me my opinion um, Steve didn't but that wasn't anything unusual no, no, when I worked at Swindon I never had a, had a as say at half time in, in terms of what we did there it was always I told the manager and the manager yeah. so like I say very very different in terms of the way that, that I work day to day and, and, and selfishly at the moment because we're doing so well yeah. but at the same time I get to I'm a coach and I get to coach a lot more yeah. working under the gaffer and he gives me that, that opportunity to do so at one time baby he says why are you so aggressive every week Oh wow! <laughs> it's not every week. I don't. So, and I'll tell you why. The last three or four weeks, I haven't been. I've been sat back and, and trying to do. It. It's not aggressive. I passionate. passionate um, I get caught up in terms of I'm um, you know enthusiastic when I get up off the off the bench. A lot of the time is to talk to the players and get a message across to the players, or or to talk to the gaffer to make sure that we're trying to do things right. It's the way I am. Um, Obviously, then sometimes a little bit like yesterday, and at times when I disagree with certain decisions, then it potentially might come across a little bit more aggressive. But um, it's not, I promise. I think the media guys have cotton on that you get quite into the game because it always seems to be like a gif of Embleton's reaction, like when there's a goal. But they, yeah, they're I, good though. Uh, yeah, like I say, I, I when I worked at Swindon, it was we scored a goal. Like that's what you set out to try to do every week. Yeah, why would you not celebrate? And if you see it come off, it's what you want, and you celebrate. But obviously, being here, sometimes it has that little bit more effect on me. I, yeah, I feel of course, yeah. I've got more of an affinity Passionate. with the club yeah. and what it's all about. And at the same time, more than anything else, I want us to do well. I want us to achieve I want us to, 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 to score goals and win games and, and if that means me being a bit more aggressive I'll do it every week I'll get worse if we need to <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for all your questions uh, over Twitter Facebook the forums and on email thank you us for being honest yeah, cheers in your answer yeah. so yeah, just over two hours in a minute it's time to wrap this bad boy up so fantasy football updating so obviously no premiership this week so Tolu Sangawawa leads the Orient Outlook Fantasy Football League on 786 points 18 points ahead of Sam Massingham in 2nd place I'm in 57th place Paul's in 74th place out of 195 players I'm slipping I'm closing on you can't see it but we'll I'm see closing it. on you Dream Team though Jay Lillington leads the Orient Outlook Podcast Dream Team League with 742 points that's 7 points ahead of our Humphreys in 2nd place Steve's in ninth place and I'm in 59th place which is better than the 106 that I was recently so I've done <laughs> Doing quite well at, uh, out of 112 players. So well done, everybody. Keep going. Yeah, so positives and negatives of the week. So positives, the first one has to be we are top of the league. We love saying it. We'll always say it. We'll always yeah. be proud of it, which is amazing. The second one, it was kind of highlighted um, in the tweets that we got back. Came from behind to win. First time we've done this season. Shows great character. Shows yep. great spirit. 
really happy with that. Someone said to me a stat that we were 1 0, it's the first time since 2016 that we've been 1 0 down at half time and won. Great stat. I presume it's from Matt Bristol. I, I, I remain like to be shot Bristow. down, but I just that's something that someone yeah, told interesting. me. I'm pretty okay. certain that's probably a Matt Bristow stat. <laughs> <laughs> and pre match, obviously, the nod to those who made the ultimate sacrifice and the whole day in terms of the kit. And the V on the grass. The yeah, V on the glass, very yeah. Very massive, very subtle, well, well made, well done to Colin. Yeah, amazing. And the fourth that we've added in, the attendance. So we kind of touched upon it again. But the attendance yesterday of 6,058. Uh, the nearest any non-league club got was Chesterfield, who came in at 4,082. That's 2,000. Now, we are 50% bigger than Chesterfield. Amazing. Club. Amazing. So four positives this week. Yep. Um, negatives. Marvin Equiteta uh, injury. Turns out it's a dead leg. So hopefully nothing too serious. Charlie Lee still out being uh, still out injured. But you've you know, we've said sort of where's George Elakobi. But obviously it's just all. I kind of put that in a little bit last minute. But you yeah. kind of explain where where uh, where George is. So all good. Yeah. Not too many negatives. So here of the week. Uh, we decided not to put this one to Twitter because we just thought we'd have double winners this week. Yeah. Because they both put in superb performances yesterday. And both scored a great goal. So our heroes of the week, unsurprisingly, are JB McEnough. Yeah, and Josh Corona. Yes, well so done, well done to them for Well done, gents. Which moves us on into next week's fixture. So it's just the one fixture coming up for the O's as we make the journey into Wales to go to Wrexham in what will be a fascinating match. So Wrexham were Tottenham now third after Saturday after only drawing, um, not only drawing, but drawing one all away at Maidstone on Saturday. So this is sure to be a tough game. So you can see at the top of the table, we're literally bouncing every yeah. week. So if you're lucky enough to be going, why not send us a tweet on your way to the match, before, during or after. And remember to sing up loud for the team. I presume you'll be going on Friday morning? Uh, yeah, we train and then travel. We've had some absolutely horrendous journeys, six, seven hours on a Friday, but we just can't seem to beat it. But it's we try to stop off and stuff like that on the way up but it just means you're just as long anyway because yeah, you've got yeah. to travel so we yeah we train at the training round in the morning and then try to get as away as early as we can in terms of getting on the road to try to get somewhere hit the traffic yeah absolutely normal sort of time it looks set to be a fantastic match I'm sure the O's fans who were there will be in fantastic voice literally a top of the table clash yeah yeah. yeah. I'm on you O's so uh, again don't forget to order the challenge culture by Nigel Travis uh, it's out at the moment amazon.co.uk all good bookstores uh, it is a good read in addition Nigel will be doing a signing between 12 and 2 at the new fan zone on December the 1st that's before the Gateshead game so get yourself a copy of the book uh, and go and get Nigel uh, to sign it for you that's December the 1st in the new fan zone between 12 and 2 great spot there Mr Levy thank you great spot so that's it coming in at 2 hours 6 <laughs> minutes thank you for joining us for the epic episode 160 so it's been 2 weeks since the last podcast and plenty has happened off the pitch as the O's had a week off from action but return on Saturday to an emotionally charged break group stadium Brisbane Road for the visit of Bromley and after a tough first half which was for one and behind the team came out invigorated for the second half to win the game 3-1 with some superb performances throughout the pitch and some top notch goals to send our club to the top of the National League ahead of next week's massive match away to Wrexham. So we'll be back with episode 161 next week with all the information and views that you could ever need. Yeah, if you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe and give the podcast a review. If you're listening on SoundCloud, tune in and Stitcher, add us to your favourites and that way you'll have the podcast available as soon as we upload them. And we're now on Spotify, so if it's easier for you, then search for us 
uh, and give us a follow uh, on Spotify. We're also on the Google Podcasts and the Amazon Alexa, so there are now no excuses. If you think you've got, if you've got an older relative, friend, loved one, whoever it may be, who you think might uh, enjoy uh, the stuff that we're doing, please grab their phone or help them out somehow, uh, enabling them uh, to listen. Yep. So we still have some months available. Under twenty left now. So a few people commented that we mention them every week, and we will until we sell out. So if you haven't bought one and you're sick of us mentioning a mug, Buy all one. yours now for five pound <laughs> to stop yeah. us. I've got talking about coffee better in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, it makes it taste sweeter. It makes it sold better. one to a pal of mine last night. Is absolutely loving it. Yeah. So we sold lots yesterday. You can get yours before the Aldershot game, before the Gateshead game, before the Chesterfield game, in time for Christmas or Hanukkah, or get yourself a Black Friday bargain. So give us a DM uh, or a message if you would like to order one. There's only one thing left to say, Mr. Embleton. Another superb performance. Yeah, thank you, gentlemen. Thank for, you. Thanks for coming on and giving up your Sunday yeah. night. It's very late, so thank you very much. No we problem. Appreciate no it. problem. The third musketeer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, Ross, always a pleasure, mate. No, thank awesome. you. Awesome. So, we look forward to hearing from you. And as always, keep calm, have a great week, and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Up the O's.